This episode of the Best Damn League Show period is brought to you by Esports Bet, the industry's leading crypto odds matrix. They are running their World's Prediction Series Contest Season 2 with a 10 million USDT prize pool. First prize of 800,000 USDT. It is a free-to-enter competition. You go to the website, they will give you some DJT tokens for free to play with. You get 1,000. Each day you log in, you can get 1,000 to a cap of 5. Now, if you put any crypto onto the website, they will also give give you a bonus of 50 times that crypto as DJT to also potentially play in this competition and increase your chances of getting up there on the leaderboard and getting some more DJT by making bets and picking out games and people you think will win. So if you've never heard of betting in esports, if you're interested in it or you're already someone who bets and you want to check out another avenue, consider esports bet. Right, this is going to be the best damn league show, whatever, season one, whatever the episode is. I think we agreed on that last week. We figured it all out. You all know the way this goes. But I did say, remember, I brought in that whole preamble. That's right. It's called foreshadowing. I'll, I'll just let you in on the industry secrets here. You know the way I discussed on the last episode how we don't need to have a guest all the time and how we only do it on specific episodes. That's why I've got a guest now. I've actually just got, basically, I've realized the esports industry is so bad. I'm going to like do my job, be really good at it, and sort of simultaneously just teach you all how to do my job so that some one day when I leave, maybe one of you can just do some half decent you know, maybe level up to what I'm doing. So basically, what we're going to do is, we are having a guest for this episode, think logically, because there's been so few games played that we'd only be able to do what everyone does on every podcast, like Euphoria, which is just like completely spiral, like whiplash react to BO1s, like, oh my God, are they the new next champions? What do you mean? They'll never play again. Oh, I think they're back in it now. Like, fucking hell, I can't handle that. I've always said I hate that aspect of League of Legends. Like, I couldn't handle back in the day when the LCS just acted like every opponent was identical and they'd have some team lose like the first game to TSM then they'd win against like the worst team in the league like Complexity or something and they'd be like and they bounce back with a 1-1 week to end things it's like what are we what's the narrative here like they're the third best team in the league that doesn't even make sense like they don't bounce back from anything they're not even playing the same team so anyway for this episode the point is now we can mix in a mixture of Yamato's thoughts coming into the split the rosters the roster change but obviously we've got a little bit of data to update our thoughts from last week me and Dom, spoiler, my thought on Astralis turned out to be straight fired, didn't it? But whatever, we'll get to that. That's that's I foreshadowed again there. I've, I've, I'll push that back. You might also, we, should, we should obviously start this off. First of all, you might have come in here, the guest, obviously, head coach of Fnatic and also the host of Voice of Yamato. <laughs> it's, it's not an award-winning show. Look, if we made an award, I'd give you an award for best voice on a podcast. So there we go. A potentially award-winning podcast on YouTube. Now, honestly, I'll take that as an award, and yeah. I'll just call my podcast an award-winning podcast. Because it is. Yours would even be an Thank award you. from esports itself. The living avatar just gave you an actual award. That's better than esports. In fact, the esports awards, I should sue them for bloody copyright infringement. Whatever. Anyway, you get the joke. So let's get into the episode. Because here's the thing, Yamato. In true Thorin fashion, I could just start with how, like, you know, things are going well for Fnatic. You got the same lineup again. You didn't have to, you didn't lose any players. There was a lot of drama. So many avenues we could go to. But of course, in true Thorin fashion, I'd like to just break the ice and really comfortably start the episode by talking about the epic failure of the playoffs where your team was up 2-0 in the upper bracket final. It was going great. You were yeah. definitely going to win the series. You were going to show anybody else. Made it to the final. I reckon probably MSI, you'd have had a shot actually. You have a pretty good fucking lineup. I, maybe probably semis at a minimum. Who knows? That game five could be true. Oh, sorry, actually. Um, 
Humanoid and Hillisang just decided they, they really didn't want to go to MSI for apparently this split. And then yada, yada, yada. Next thing I know, G2's bloody one again. And now everyone in the world who sadly accurately assessed how good Flack it is has to just turn off Twitter for the next two weeks. So, okay, you might. <laughs> come on. Obviously, now you've sure? had the time, you've had the time sure to process... Like maybe we can start to... something more even lighter, like the death of like a family member, or like your your favorite dog or okay. something. You know? okay. like, do you want to you want to just <laughs> okay. say, you know get right into it? Or... Here's okay, the thing, though, because to be fair, I know with yeah. your battles, especially with your battles coaching style, his coaching style is all about how you, like, take the fucking parts of the journey and process it into, turn it into something else. To let, it's all that bullshit, like, you know, we, we win or we learn. Well, I'll tell you what, your battle, you must have fucking learned a lot of stuff at the end of that play. <laughs> so come on, come on then, give us your side on it. Give us what, what, what did you learn from this split? Because, by the way, in all seriousness... This is one of those examples where you're like, this is the best team you've ever had on paper. You got all the people you wanted pretty much. I mean, obviously there was some scenario, maybe Cabochard or something was in the mix, but generally you got like a dream lineup. So what do you think happened in this split? Because I will say this, by the way, I, one thing we on this show have tried to downplay is I think fans, unfortunately, did overreact to those results. Like a lot of people were making out like the team was shit or like, got to call these people. It's like, it's still an amazing roster on paper. So come on, give us your thoughts on what, why didn't Fnatic win? Were you supposed to win that split? I think on paper, yes. Uh, I think in, in terms of the Rossa, I still deem it as a failure, right? It's, of course, easier for me to say from, from the inside what went wrong and so forth and what we need to do different. I think first and foremost was just uh, we started very late. I think we really underestimated how important it is to just, you know, start out earlier and to, to hash out, you know, a lot of the things that just require time. Uh, I think... You know, we just came in two weeks uh, ahead of the start. They started the, the, the split like 14th uh, January, which was very early. And most of the teams practiced ahead of time. I think G2 was one that already scrimmed back in uh, the World Championship, October I think. or something. Yeah, yeah, like they started building the roster very early. And I think this, this adds up if you, you know, uh, do it the correct way. I think uh, a big uh, mistake of ours was uh, setting uh, the wrong expectations. Always when you join a new team, uh, like based off your past experiences, you try to recreate what has worked in the past, but it's not always going to be the same. And we had people from, from different corners and different avenues, different uh, like experiences. So if we don't actually work hard to actually you know, put in the effort and time to make sure that we align on the most basic fundamentals of the game, we're going to reach a point where things are going to crash and burn. And always when you are working, at least in my experience, in Spring Split, it's, it's a big learning curve for me personally because I get to know a lot of the players personally too. And uh, I see what works, how much I can trust them on certain aspects and how much I need to like pull them back, how much I need to pull out the belt and how I need to create a balance. And I think on, on my uh, own end, there was things that were issues in the beginning that there was this uncertain promise that they would kind of fix themselves with time and they just didn't. So we were playing very poorly in scrims. We had like shit scrim performances. What Perk said was very true about our scrim performance. Like our scrim performance didn't reflect too well on what was going on on stage. I think when we were playing those matches on stage, I think we could uh, be a lot more serious and a lot more professional about it. And we could kind of, um, you know, put past a lot of the, the bullshit that occurred in scrims. And I think... Over time, everything that happened in scrims in terms of our performance kind of built up because we have players that 
really, really enjoy winning scrims. That was like the main, uh, you know, driving factor for us, which is inherently something that is negative and, and toxic, right? If the only goal that you're trying to do within a scrim is to win, and then if you can't win, you go into that uh, natural kind of sphere where you're just chasing for kills because this is the only thing that feels rewarding. So we couldn't really set up a system where it felt rewarding to put in effort. It felt rewarding for uh, you know anyone in, in the team, including me, uh, to put in effort into something and us moving into a certain direction because we took a lot of things that worked in the past that were easy for granted. And I think this is something that occurred on, on every end. So for example, with this group, you know, I think uh, a struggle of ours was uh, to actually like bring honesty uh, to group conversation. Most of the time people were holding back and in our so-called honeymoon phase, we we're just like playing nice. But in reality, you know, there was always things hiding behind those words. Why do you and think people were holding back because they just weren't comfortable with each other or too many big personalities? What do you think that was the issue? I, I, think, I think it's just a mix of... Um, um, I think at the beginning, people were just acting nice. And I think eventually, uh, you know, knowing how to teach others and how to communicate with others is a skill, right? You need to practice it. So you need to expose yourself to situations that you're not comfortable with. Like on my end, I am yeah, good at it because I actively engage in it all the time. But for some others, maybe not so much. And they function in environments where maybe others take uh, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, stands within the team and they are willing to engage in conversation and create conversation uh, through those players that uh, maybe talk uh, a little bit less on our end it was you know uh, oh we're trying to fix it okay i'm gonna trust people to to fix it and then kind of it went too far along the way to 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 get you know we were just like coming into playoffs we had that break, which was very good for us, and then we started scrimming things with good, but then we went back to the old habits of, you know, how, how the scrims went. And then we beat G2, it felt good because we derived all of our confidence from the stage matches and our preparation. But then there was this element where we were like this, this ship that is just like leaking, we're just trying to patch it together, we're just trying to cross the finish line rather than being that, uh, you know, force that gathers momentum and improves over time or that they're like oh we're trying to make sure that everyone's okay and we're trying to win a final like that is not really gonna work because the moment the image of our confidence was shattered with uh, the series against rogue it was very hard for us to to bounce back so to like summarize it i think expectations were bad i think our process of improvement was was quite bad and of course i blame myself uh, thoroughly for this and now it feels a lot better because I have a lot more information to work with in regards to how the players are and what the group needs and some of the staff adjustments we've made. But I think we just, we were a group of professionals that tried super, super hard because everyone was working their ass off, but we weren't really, you know, a, t a team in any shape or form. We didn't really share uh, our experience and our knowledge in an appropriate manner because we took for granted maybe something I know, I thought it was easy, and then I didn't share it with the players and maybe it was... Like like that sphere of of uh, you know breaking those barriers down and making sure that uh, the knowledge ceiling is the same for all of the players wasn't something that we uh, achieved so well. And I think it was because we lacked a general you know that that honesty, that feedback system, and uh, the leadership within the game. And uh, in my mind, those are attributes that you can train and attributes that you need to work on because inherently. 
I have very good players and sprint I had very good players. There were moments within the split where I would argue that we were the best team uh, performing team at oh, the time, right? Yeah. But we were not ramping up. We just had a good roster and that was it. That was the only thing that carried us. And uh, occasionally we had really, really good fucking preparation in terms of our opponents and reading the patch. Uh, and then it just kind of fell flat because old like G2 specifically caught up to us because they had uh, a way better process of improvement. Okay. Do you have any thoughts on that, Dom? Otherwise, I've got something going. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I the one thing that stands out to me when I whenever I see a super team like this, and and the one thing that I would ask you is, um, how do you form an identity with the super team? Because the main pitfall that all these super teams fall into is that because you actually have good players in every role, you have this approach where you think you can do everything all the time. It's like we can play carry tops, we can play carry mids, we can play roaming mids, we can play carry bot lane, we can play through all three lanes at all three times or like at, at any time. And that just, uh, I think, makes it really complicated towards improvement because instead of trying to uh, like refine one play style or a couple play styles, you're trying to refine multiple different play styles. And, uh, you know, we, we heard Whipple talk a little bit about this in, um, in NA with team liquid that they kind of fell into the same pitfall. And I, I feel like you guys are very comparable to team liquid because it's a super team. You're essentially just the, the, I mean, EU version of what team liquid is where you have the super team ended up getting third place. You know, most people considered you guys super strong, got reverse swept in, in that uh, round then got three out. It seems very similar. So um, my question to you is like, how do you actually focus a team? Um, because I think that with a super team comes a lot of egos because a lot of people, um, you know, prefer and they don't, they want to be able to be a star within the team. They want to be able to carry games. Um, how do you actually, uh, you know, take away some of that responsibility from people or put more responsibility on others? How do you create uh, a good environment with a super team when you have talent everywhere? I'd agree that that's like one of the challenges because most of the time the, the ego comes from like a good place, like a, a place of success. Like in, in our case, championships. <laughs> it's like I, I have uh, a player from each of the rosters that were like the the the, the strong rosters of of European history, like Wunder from G two, uh, Marek from from Mad Lions, and then Hilly from two thousand eighteen, Fnatic, and so forth. So there's there's a lot of uh, experience and the ego comes from the right places. It isn't necessary that that in some of these conversations that uh, like uh, that people are wrong or so forth when they're trying to discuss. It's more about like finding alignment. You know that that was always the challenge. And I think uh, it was evident for us in, in spring that this was like the biggest difficulty for us, where we took for granted some of the basics. But I think. You have to go through the same process uh, with any team, regardless of the skill level of the team. You kind of have to relearn the fundamentals through the lens of what the dynamic of the team is. Sometimes that's easier, uh, sometimes that's harder, but knowing how to, to phrase and to frame things in a specific way that will make sense for everybody within the team is, is so, so important. So it was a very humbling experience for us in spring, and in in our mind, like for me, it's it's almost it's 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 kind of very similar to what happened to us like last year in spring, but in a different way. Because back then, it's like I joined Fnatic. Okay, these are guys that, that beat me before. Let's see, let's see what they they got, bring to the table, and let's see what 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 I've been missing out on. But it was kind of the same process. It's like, oh, this is easy. When it comes to playoffs, we're gonna figure this out. This is no problem. Why are we? Even, why do we have a presentation on this? This is fucking easy. Like, what the fuck are we doing with our time? And then we lose three zero to Schalke, right? Because all those devils kind of catch up to you. So now it's like 
now we're starting from scratch and we are keeping it as basic as possible and building on top of that regardless of what people's history is in the end the game has been very similar for like the last three years in terms of how riot has done changes so the fundamentals and how well you do the basics of the game and how well you align on them and how you understand them individually and as a group is what is going to win out in in the long run so we are just accepting that we need to keep it as simple as possible and building on top of that and we are trying to create uh, situations where people are uh, you know, push to be honest and to share and give feedback within a group environment rather than just uh, waiting idly by and, and hoping for things to just solve themselves because in their mind it's fucking easy, you know? Yeah, I mean, one of the things obviously that must be tough is like you say about uh, earlier on when you were talking about the fact that you just expect that people like players will just get better or they'll just figure things out. That's actually another downside to having superstar talent. By the way, that was basically the whole story of what Vitality tried to sell everyone all split long. It's like, oh, don't worry about the regular split. Look at how good our players are. You know, they'll almost trip over and win in the playoffs and suddenly we'll be right there and we'll be, you know, contending for the championship. So what I would ask is this actually. One of the things I think shocked a lot of people in the way that Fnatic lost in the playoffs is it was two of the people that you actually expect to carry the series that were having the big bad games. Obviously, Humanoid was having some very unusual games, and Hill and Hillasang had probably some of his worst career series in a while. Right? What I would ask is this: Humanoid's a pl uh, Hillasang rather is the player I want to ask about because. On past shows on Summoning Insight I've done with you, I told you one an angle I thought was very interesting with your philosophy on League was when you summarized it as like, it's, it's a very interesting, basically it's the contrast between the old school, how Monty used to love to watch the LCK where it's about like as few deaths as possible, you play clean macro, you only like fight when you have the edge, use the objectives to use the map pressure and stuff. Whereas what you were pointing out was essentially like the old LPL play style, like you take loads of skirmishes and fights everywhere. And you described it as it's not as, sim sim as simple as like, am I aggressive or like, am I defensive? Well, you said it's like a spectrum of, of activity and precision. So it's like, if you're going to have loads of activity, yeah, obviously you're not going to be as precise, right? You're going to sort of give up the idea that like every choice is the perfect fight or the perfect thing to take. But you're essentially saying like there's a there's a trade off there for how you want to play and depend on what the metric of the game is. So my question would be this: I guess Hillasang on some level must be the ultimate test of this principle, right? Because on the one hand. He can win you amazing games. He can do all these crazy plays. He can find players that no one else can find. On the other hand, they can be games like this where the same sort of impulse potentially throws the game, right? I think what, what's so unique about Hilly specifically, like I think the way he has thought about the game and the way he has approached the game always has allowed him to reach a very deep depth of, of like finding opportunities. And sometimes that exploration looks so silly. Like like last weekend when he was like going right, under the turret and <laughs> like sometimes it looks so silly on paper. Uh, but I always give him like the benefit of the doubt in terms of, you know, uh, that conversations like what, what, what was going on here? You know, Hilly, what, what was going on through your mind? And sometimes, you know, we have disagreements in terms of how we should approach the game philosophically, because in my mind, it's like, depending on your position in the game, uh, in contrast to your draft, you should elevate risk depending on how uh well your position to win the game so for example let's say we are getting outscaled in the game a very simple example we get outscaled we're behind we need to the enemy team uh eddie carey doesn't have flash we need to elevate the risk and maybe just try something stupid to try to kill this guy and maybe win the game off of it we elevate risk if we are super far ahead we no longer elevate risk but even in those moments sometimes he is trying to squeeze water from stone meaning he's trying to 
just win the game quicker as if it's a race right and sometimes we've had some disagreements here and there but i think his his approach to the game he has taught me many things uh, like uh, just because i give him that benefit of doubt just ask him what was going on here and sometimes he's very quick to admit yo i just i just griefed it like there was, okay. there was nothing there was nothing here like i just i just ran it down i'm just sorry just pretend it's like 500 iq general yo, he admits yeah. it when he, he fucks it right yeah there. like when he like when he fucks up like that okay. thing of myth he's like oh shit it's like yeah gp no ult i guess drake okay. is spawning one minute i guess it's okay <laughs> like like <laughs> this is this is his approach to it but then there are many moments where uh he does, in fact, explain his thought process. And if, you know, we we read the same play in the same moment and we just trust him in that moment, maybe there was something there, right? And I think, you know, finding that that balance for Hilly, when, when he's really on his game, he gets into the head of five players of the enemy team. I think that the best example of that was when we played G2 last year, where he was just in, like, in the zone because he felt like he was supported by his team and he was so deep into the head of Caps and Reckless and Mickey when he was charging his spear with Pike, you know, the whole world stopped, you know. And when that happens, you know, when that occurs, uh, a thing of beauty, uh, definitely, uh, you know, that, that, that to me is very beautiful League of Legends because it's, oh. because it becomes deeper than just the game. But I feel like this, this year specifically, I think uh his his approach has been uh, a, a little bit less chaotic and more into the direction of oh i have teammates that are really fucking good uh, and there is there's no reason for me to try to take charge of the game in a way that i needed to in the past maybe to cover for the weaknesses of my teammates and i think uh i'm showing i'm seeing like a little bit of a different side to to hilly where he is uh, not as chaotic as as he was maybe in the past thing is though I, one thing I find amazing about your team as well it's like it's not like you even got all the superstars that are like the same style of play like on the one hand you have a team where Hillisang can just do anything Humanoid just randomly dies in lane but then like Upsets died like one time in like four splits or something mental like you have such a weird <laughs> that's the other thing that's hard about super teams alright like philosophies can be contrasted as well I know for sure that's, it's, it's, it's a cool mix I, I, I feel like now, they are showing a lot more of their personality, and I think that's important in, in a group environment. Like, we are trying to actively just spend more time together, and uh, they get more opportunities to show uh, their personal side to each other. And I think this, you know, develops deeper bonds in terms of how you approach the game too. Because as long as you spend time together, you kind of talk about the game, and you, you get to know each other, just how you talk, uh, I think goes such a long way. And... Already now, we've we, we've made sure that we just have those conversations and enforce and encourage those conversations. And already now, I can see so much more personality than I did in in spring in in a positive manner. You know. One thing I wanted to ask you is about how, <laughs> how Razorg fits in the team, because historically, when you have these types of not even just super teams, but teams with really strong laners, uh, you, you normally have to have a, a jungler that is uh, like very based in his own understanding of league of legends where he's going to like be be the alpha at times and he's going to pretty much decide how the game's going to play out so you know you think about yankos in this type of role or like xmithy nna with those original um team liquid rosters and i feel like the, the interesting thing about your team is that your least accomplished player and your least experienced player is your jungler in in this instance so is that especially challenging because i mean just from from the outside from watching you guys have the result you guys had and then seeing like razor's tweets it looked like 
man, this guy is not taking this well. Like this is a this is a tough experience for him um, individually. So how do you actually, you know, build up the confidence of a player like that? Because I feel like when you have that much input, when you have, you know, three really experienced laners or four really experienced laners telling you exactly what you should be doing, I think it's hard a lot of the time for that jungler to then figure out what is actually correct because there's going to be things that contradict themselves. And at the end of the day, he's going to have to make decisions. So I, I just kind of wanted to ask you a little bit more about Razork and how he fits into the team now and like why you think he'll perform better this split, because it seems like at least just from following him on, on social media and just seeing the things that he said in interviews, it seems like he's more confident now than he was in spring. Uh, I would say uh, in spring, he definitely went through uh, some, some personal difficulties. I, I think coming into the team, he definitely, you know, was, uh, you know, moving from a situation where in, in Misfits, they were all living in the gaming house and so forth, and they were always together, always in a group, and then moving <clears throat> to, to Fnatic, where we have the office system and uh, people are a little bit more apart. Like, we also, like, during Spring Split, not to, like, blame anything, right? But we, like, moved offices in the middle of the split because it just made sense. We had better internet here because we were, like, lagging in the previous office. And that was also, like, something that caused additional stress. There was uh, there was a COVID situation where we just got sick and, like, people were, like, not with each other for two weeks. You know, shit like that happens. That happens to any team, right? So it's not in any way, shape, or form, uh, like, making excuses. But definitely, like, when, when Ivan joined the team, I think... He had like the biggest challenge ahead of himself uh, due to uh, his experience being just just in misfits right and he was uh, rather like the like a big fish in, in in a smaller pond so to speak and i think just from without going into too much detail i i, I like he has grown so much already like already in spring he, he grew so much as as a person in terms of how much responsibility he takes over himself and also the team and um I feel uh, like in regards to how ready he is for this split, I can already see uh, such a, a vast and, and big difference in terms of the leadership role he takes within the game. Like he has uh, actively tried to to work on some of the things that we wanted him to work on, which is just in early game, you, you, you drive the game. You're like the only person that can really move. Uh, you, you're the person that makes the decision. Like, if a jungler decides to go topside, then the game is about fucking topside. And you need to be very, very in tune with your decisions, as you mentioned, right? You just need to, you know, be in sync with everything that's going on in the game and then your knowledge needs to be on point. In the beginning, that was challenging on top of the fact that I mentioned before, like, our environment was was not the greatest to to support someone uh, and lift someone up, right? But we tried very hard and 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 through that, I saw development. He He, he grew and I feel just coming into this split, like the, the first meeting I had with him after like a, a long break, he's like, I know now what I, what I need to do, you know? And already that, hearing that from him after spending so much time with him in spring, I knew already I'm going to have, uh, you know, the, a stronger Ivan coming into, into summer. And I think so far, uh, I'm Dude, so I happy. The way, like, uh, from the outside, like Dom said, uh, Razok comes off as actually quite a sensitive player, actually. Like, if you see the way he tweets after he loses, he's, like, pretty vulnerable, you know. Yeah. Even, actually, I've noticed. He's even the guy where when he plays all right, but the team loses, he's like, I guess it's my fault. Guy. Like, he's one of those guys. I like the way, though, you have painted him as, like, the fucking, this, like, quiet, mysterious Spanish guy, though, because he comes <laughs> in after the split. All he says to you, Matt, he goes, I know now what they must do looks away like a thousand miles on the... you're like right that's sort of then okay then fucking a whoa it's like music playing in the background. 
right, it's fucking theme tune music. All right, fucking hell. Who's this guy, a Jedi or something? Fucking hell. Yeah. No, definitely. He's, 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 he's a sensitive dude, for sure. He's an emotional guy, okay. but I feel like, uh, you know, he has, he has grown and it's a lot more in, in, in tune with himself and, and is uh, paying attention more to the fine details of, uh, you know, what it could be to, to, to be, uh, you know, like a professional. Like, I remember okay. some conversations I had with him in spring. It was like, oh, my hands are cold, man. I can't play. I'm like, your hands are cold, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, you can't be telling me this. It's like, oh, I woke up the wrong way. There was a chicken outside of my window. This is going to be a grief day. Like, this was a classic. Right, it's like, cool. today is going to be a grief day. He, he, this phrase came up often uh, in spring. I remember, oh, this is going to be definitely a grief what day. You, definitely what you want to hear from your jungler at the beginning of a practice <laughs> session. We have none of that well shit with. anymore, you know? <laughs> I mean, when I Go think ahead, about like, Upset's personality and just, like, how he would respond to things, I just can't imagine Upset sitting in a room and just hearing his jungler say, it's going to be a grief day. It's like, what do you mean it's going to be a fucking grief day? Like, we're going we're gonna to win, right? Like, like... Like, how can you already decide the day is a grief day before anything even happened? Like, I, I just can't imagine that <laughs> dynamic between between players on your team. But yeah, I mean, well, I guess I guess we'll have to we'll see how it how it is. I mean, I think the biggest problem is when you actually have the diversity or the adversity within the team, how you get through that adversity, because that's normally what sensitive players and players that are, you know, not really, you know, used to that type of drama. That's when it normally breaks them. It's when, you know. You, you lose a series you shouldn't have lost, and then you have to come from the loser's bracket. That's that's generally the the po the, the moment where I see a lot of like you know weak minded players break, and then you know players like Yankos and Caps just kind of just grind it out. Where it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're just still gonna win. So I think that's left to be seen. Thing is, though, I, one other question I have about Fnatic, and then we'll obviously we'll start talking about the other teams, and we'll get like the general thoughts, right? One other question I have is the other big name we didn't mention is obviously Upset, right? And he is the player where, for whatever reason, it seems that like he's been he's like the lightning rod in the team that people like Reddit still hates him. For example, they all still think he's fucking trash, blah blah blah, all the rest of it. I know some of it's to do with drama and outside the game stuff, but why I actually do love because I did an interview with him between the splits is it actually does feel like Upset now has just realised finally what actually like certain players just have to realize is what my boy Jensen had to realize in NA is like you can try forever to be like the most loved player the one that all the fans are like oh we just love you you're, the, you're number one you're the best like if you can't though you just have to go like to the dark side you have to just accept that you're the villain and you have to say shit like he did you have to say things knowing what the response is going to be like I'm too good not to win by the way I love it when people say shit like that all I'll say all I'll say is this though you matter one I agree with him even though it's a very dangerous statement but two technically low key he's putting my pressure on you mate you've got players that are too good not to win now you have to win the split if you think <laughs> about it if you think about it if you put the equation together he's saying you've got players too good what do you think about that statement mother because what i love about that is actually if you know upset that actually encompasses how he really does think about the game like he's if it's like dom's like joking about it, but like, it's true he really is a guy who's tried to put like mad work ethic into the game mindset to try and improve to win to be the best you can like him or dislike him obviously he has his own personality his own quirks spoiler if you don't like very dry german sort of like angle you're not he's not going to be your fan favorite but i i think he, he has a really cool sort of attitude to the game yamato what do you think I think it's it's like his 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 drive to win is like undeniable. It's like really really undeniable. It's like also in in, in scrims, 
you know it's it's just undeniable that what he's trying to always achieve and that's why like spring was very hard for him and for us as a group was like we were losing every fucking scrim like that was that was torture for him you know and he was always trying to come into every day with a new plan new plan new plan you know try to figure it out and when there wasn't like the same feedback from everybody else it was it was very tough for him you know but i think having such a driving force in the team is 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 very positive and i think uh, just how hard and how much effort he has put in to to make sure that his relationship with Hilly works. Uh, same thing for Hilly, like they work so well as a unit, which is something that like I can't ask for more when it comes to uh, you know what my demands are for for a bot lane. Like the, in my mind, they set a new standard for for what like a bot lane should be doing in terms of you know achieving success. Um, Dude, even though people are going to take this the wrong way because they haven't won yet, I actually think now, logically, they should get that title that they used to give to Svenomith. They're the new best in the West. They need that title. Like, they just look how much they've done over the last two splits, guys. That, that bot lane is just straight fire. Like, if I had to pick, like, you know, my old school grilled interviews, you know, when the aliens come to Earth, you might only have to make the team to beat them. To, that's the fucking Western bot lane I would pick right now, of course. Even <laughs> if I had to put it together as a super team, that, that lane is sick. They can do everything. Um, they can have Hellasang just do these crazy roams and players made and just play it safe. Or they can play like fucking Draven. By the way, when's the last time you saw Re fucking Reckless locking Draven, boys? Like, they can do shit like that in this team. They can do whatever they want, pretty much. Except yeah, I mean, I've watched LAC, a lot of upset. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know if I want to see more Draven, I'll be honest. Okay, <laughs> okay, fair enough. I don't, I don't know if it's an upset, if it's an upset champion. At That's a once-in-a-while thing. That's a once-in-a-while thing. It's all yeah, right. Yeah, it's sometimes snack for sure. I, I think the, the, the strange thing was just seeing, like, how about the team is specifically how it felt like like hilly and humanoid collapsed in, in a lot of like the big moments i mean you think about hilly as these as this you know laner that just wins bot lane every single time you know like he just plays whatever matchup and even if he dies like he'll come back and he'll have pressure but i think the weird thing about watching like fanatic was it felt like the the bot lane broke down it was like oh it's not a point of strength anymore like hilly's just dying in lane to you know, I don't know if you guys died to g2 off the top of my head but you guys were just dying in lane frequently so I think that, that that was like a huge indication of, I guess, the mental break was seeing it's like, oh, well, if the enemy jungler shows up mid or bot, he's leaving with a kill regardless. You know, it doesn't matter what, what happens. So I think that that was uh, the, the part where I think it's hard to be like, damn, this is the best bot lane in the West when that's how the biggest moment looked. I, I, I think uh, I think definitely uh you know, some of the elements that made them so good last year, I, I think that was something that... Uh, they didn't manage to, uh, you know, put in place the same way uh, in in spring. I don't want to go into too much details because it's their their story to tell, right? But I think definitely uh, they didn't have the same form in spring as as they did like in the previous year because like last year when we were like just plowing through the the lower bracket, like they were like machines. They were they were absolute machines, and um, the the gap between them and others was significantly bigger. Uh, sure, uh, the, the the meta maybe was different. The meta was here, so a lot of AD carries could could look good because of the jinx and yeah, the jinx penta kill. They are rushing at you with uh, you know getting excited and so forth. So it it was harder to maybe uh, create uh, a perceived gap, and there was a lot of other things going on. But I would agree with the notion that I don't think they they were like as as good as they were in the past. But I think it's always a lot more difficult to like prove yourself individually when the team has a lot of things that are not functioning. I think the best example of that was just our second best of five, like when we played against G2 the second time. I think at that point we we had 
lost our confidence in a way where where players are walking into the game and I'm walking into that day thinking, oh shit, what, what, what am I supposed to do to try to solve it? And I think that was, that was, that tension was so heavy in the air. And then when you walk into uh, the, the match, players try to overcompensate for something. They try to fix something. They try to play, do something different just to create a different reaction. So it looks even worse. Because when you when you're at that point, there there is no real solution. It's like you're only faced with with the hard facts that our practice wasn't good enough. And I think at, at that point, when it came to that series against G two or uh, our our reverse sweep against Rogue, like those hard facts we were faced with, and then we tried to to do things differently within the game and try to grab back that confidence that we had, and it just wasn't enough. And as I mentioned before, we were just kind of like a ship trying to to just reach harbor. We were trying to survive rather than to to progress as a, as a group. And uh, I think it was just an indictment of of the mistakes we did throughout the split leading up to the playoffs, and the the illusion that we built up over time was just shattered because uh, there was a team on the other side in G two that actually functioned as a group, and they actually improved immensely over the span of the playoffs. And that's usually like the story when it comes to playoffs. Like, how well do you improve? How stable are you as a team mentally? And how strong is just your foundation of how you've gotten there? And um, I think we got there through the sheer force of individual skill and preparation. And uh, at some point, you know, the team play just just conquers all. You know, and uh, I think that was just our reality. And I think when it comes to individual you know, underperformances or so forth when it comes to, to Mark and so and Hilly. I think it's just very difficult to navigate an environment where uh, things are not functioning so well. So you begin to see a different side, you begin to think about different elements, you try to compensate for assumptions you have maybe about your teammates. It's like, oh, my teammate is going to fuck this up, so maybe I need to fucking do this and I'm going to look worse and so forth. It, it's, it's always the same case uh, when you are pushed uh, up against the wall and... Uh, you don't really have uh, a confidence from a really, really strong place as a group. All right, let's do it. Let's talk about the rest of the LEC. So I'd start off with the team that is the top of the LEC. They went three and zero on the super week. It's a cost you two. Should have been <laughs> fanatic, but wasn't. And that, we'll get into that. So okay, Dom, I want to start here because normally this team G two, by the way, had the freest first week of all time. Because think about it, every narrative in history is set up to allow them to potentially lose every game. If you go to the MSI, everyone knows the excuse. You're supposed to come back and go, "Oh, it was MSI. Like I had to travel. I didn't have any time." And everyone, no one had any time. But in fact, they didn't even have, by the way, the more extreme version of that. Because as you might all pointed out, they made their roster during Worlds last year and have actually had this team going for ages. They've had loads of time under their belt. The wear and tear must actually be a lot more than. Even even normal LEC teams. But, but and, and also, I'll add in as well, every talk show I listen to, no one believes in them. No one has them as the number one team. Everyone's like thinks yeah, that Yamato's team should get it together or there's some people still believe in Rogue. Like, come on, Dom. They started out, they're looking fucking banging already. They look amazing in this opening week. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they just look like they were just far and away the best team still. And I, I think the, the thing that's interesting is, I mean, normally when you have uh, a, a team like like they had that just went to MSI. The biggest problem is not that you like have a break. It's that there's normally a massive patch that you're dealing with. So last time MSI was on a patch that that incorporated like a lot of Rumble Jungle and Morgana, right? So then you come back to the LEC, 
There's no Rumble Jungle. There's no Morgana. They've been nerfed out of the game. Suddenly, Viego is a champion that was not enabled all of MSI. Then Gwen is the champion. It's like, what the fuck is all this? And that's where they fall behind. And I felt like the same thing could have happened to G2 with the durability patch. Like, they and they only got three days of scrims. So I feel like the fact that they're still coming out of the gate so strong, I mean, it just makes them look like they're they're the favorite because you'd assume that other teams like Fnatic and Rogue have been scrimming for like <coughs> at least like three weeks now. And yes. yeah, I mean, just right out of the gate, it seems like G2 just has a, a better understanding of how to function as a team, almost individual of what meta is. And it doesn't even look like they're really playing the meta. It feels like they're just kind of playing what, what they want to play. You know, like Yone, Diana, Yasuo was the comp they played against Fnatic. Um, or no, versus Rogue, I mean, sorry. Uh, yes, and, yes. Yeah, like I just felt like no one else would draft that besides for G2. What other team would draft Yone and Yasuo in the same team with a Diana jungle? It's just almost impossible, right? Like you're going to have one of them and then, you know, you're going to throw a tank in their top lane. So I feel like like G2 just seems like they're just still riding the confidence. And I mean, the, the thing that I tweeted out and my, my mentality now is like, is Caps just going to be the best fucking mid laner in LEC again? Is he just going to be the god of LEC again? Because it seems like Something happened where, you know, he got the crowd buff and he's just still going. He just looks so much better than everyone else. Um, and that makes G2 a super scary team. That's what elevates them from being like, oh, are they going to be a second, third place team? Or are they going to be the best team is having the best player in LEC in the mid lane. What do you think, Yamato? Where's G2 at? Are they actually as good? Like, is this just like a slight overperformance? Are they the best team? I, th I think G2 is definitely the team to beat. I, I think everything speaks for it. Uh, I think... Uh, with the, with the meta, I think it is very open right now in terms of what you can play. There's a lot of room for 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 different champions and uh, and and different ideas of what you want to just just draft. I, I think uh, it will settle the moment uh, we see more and more games on 12.11 in 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 the Asian regions <laughs> when when LCK and LPL plays a little bit more and and the copycats begin to to emerge and everyone just uh, you know takes their drafts as, as the sacred thing that they are and just, just start playing it. Uh, but all in all, I think they are the most fundamentally sound team, I, I think, in terms of how they connect and how they just open up on the map and how they fight together and how aware they are of each other and how patient they are and disciplined in the way they play. Of course, the, the games weren't like like super crispy clean or something. There were some dirty games there, but... In in contrast to the rest of the, the the league, like I can contrast it to us, like we were very dirty in, in our victories and even dirtier in our loss, right? Uh, so we have a lot a lot of things to work on and a lot of things to catch up on. So uh, for me, G two is definitely the team to beat uh, for us. Uh, maybe next to to Excel, but I'm uh, assuming you guys are going to bring them up at some point. Oh, of course, yes. Right. By the way, yeah. Don brought it up, so I should definitely like specifically ask about this. Like as he says, there normally you're adapting to the new patch. Like your players have just come back. You're from MSI. You just try. You just trying to get baseline level. They're doing like what about this fucking draft, Nirvana? <laughs> okay, you about all set up for who didn't see the draft. <laughs> They actually did a real comp of Yone, Diana, Yasuo, Senna, and Swain all in the same game, and they won the game as well, versus one of the best teams in the league. Well, we thought one of the best teams. One, in theory, one of the best teams in the league. Rogue, right? That's That almost implies that they're just flexing at this point. Like, surely, you might, oh, they're just fucking around with that. They don't really think that's an amazing comp, right? I'm not sure. That. I don't remember I, I, what I they played against. You what think they really believe that's real? Yeah, I mean, I think that they, they, I mean, Swain, I think is just strong champion for some reason. Like, I mean, we saw Niski play it, but I mean, when you watch Asian, Asian region or LPL specifically, they love Swain. They, like that is just a champion that they think is, is broken. And it doesn't seem like it has the same, um, 
ideas in, in LEC, but I feel like they like the way they arrived on that is the Diana Yasuo is like there is a specific entity which is good. The oh. Yone top is good, and they think Swain is really strong. So if you're gonna put Swain into the bot lane, you're gonna have to pair with the Senna. So I feel like the way they arrived on it makes sense. I don't know if putting that whole comp together is something that you ought to be running multiple times, but I think that based on what they were playing into, the way they arrived on that draft made sense to me at least. Like I think that they were tryharding and they legit think that that draft is good there. And I think it did look pretty good there. So at least that's my take on it. I'm, I, I, just, I just pulled it up and I guess like how Rogue just locked in like Orn 1-2, which is kind of strange, I guess. And then they just locked the Yone. And then the Silas blind and the Swain flex. I know that Targamas uh, has, has played some Swain support uh, last split. It was something that I spotted already. So I guess in some shape or form, there, there is uh, <laughs> some level of cohesion and, and, and some sense to it, I'd say. Like Orn was a big one at MSI, so I'm sure they like had a lot of uh, answers uh, ready in their pocket. Uh, Yon is a is a broken blade classic. I think in, in, when I'm looking at at Rogue's draft, it kind of makes sense that it panned out the way it did uh, in in some shape or form. Yeah. yeah. The only thing is, if you Rogue, balance, like they just, like Rogue just got all the champions they want in theory. It's just that they didn't look what the other team was drafting. You know? Well, I mean, I, I think this is the weirdest part about like um, playoffs in LEC is like, uh, I mean, no other region had the same mentality around Orin where it was yes. like, Orin is this unstoppable pick. You just draft yeah. the top lane and you automatically win the game. Like there was just no counter to it um, within within LEC. And it feels like, you know, G2 is already shown in, the, in their first time playing against it. It's like, oh, yeah, you can just play like Yone into it. I mean, some teams uh, um, internationally were running like Trundle plus, you know, uh, uh, just a matching top laner. So they'll run a tank top and they'll add a Trundle into their team comp. And that'll be how they deal with Orn, but I mean, for, for Rogue, it seems like that's really confusing to them because they were the team that that couldn't get around the Orn. Like in, in finals, that's what felt like doomed them is that you know they tried to find the answer to Orn, which was Gwen, didn't work out, and then they didn't really know what to do with the pick afterwards. Uh, and you know they gave it to 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 BB again, and suddenly the Jace, which is another supposed answer at that point, ends up getting solo killed multiple times. So yeah, it was uh, it, it's it's pretty rough, but. I mean, one thing that I said about the comp there is I feel like the G2 comp is pretty balanced. Like they have decent AP split, decent AD split. They have a lot of power. I mean, I think the one thing that you're a little bit worried about is having too much of one identity where you have like the Yone, Yasuo, Diana all comboing in at the same time. And if this, the enemy team is able to somehow dodge that engage, they don't get like multi-man wamboed, then maybe like the return damage will be too strong. Um, but it seems like they were just ahead when it came to how they were going to approach the fights. And yeah, I mean, the Renata pick, which seemed like it was supposed to be the answer to it where they all run in and then you just cast the Renata ult and something like Yon and Yasuo just turn on each other and kill each other. That yeah. never seemed to pan out in the game. It didn't seem like there was a there was an answer there. So yeah. Yes. I will say in general, I, I thought I thought all in all it was a very impressive week by G2, not just because of the MSI historical angle where there's the excuse. You even look who they played, they ran the gamut of types of teams you can play. They played like potential contender, Rogue, who hasn't made any roster changes, in theory should be really strong. You have the XL team who've had this mystical boot camp everyone keeps bragging about, where they've gone up to fucking Shangri-La and played all the gods and the dojo masters and stuff. <laughs> really, in, in reality, Nelson just got them some scrims. So it is actually now provable that there is a reason to have him in LEC teams. So congrats, you've finally proven that. Just a joke there. Or is it? 
We'll see when he comes on the show. And then the last team they played was Astralis, who was supposed to be a bottom feeder, so you're supposed to get an easy win, but they made all these roster changes and, in theory, you'll have a honeymoon period. So these can be tricky teams to play in your opening Super Week. They not only deal with everyone, practically every player in fucking G2 plays plays and looks good. Then, then there's the angle, like you said, Dom. One of the other reasons I thought G2 might drop down a bit is, like, Caps was just too good at MSI the first week and then, like, the playoffs of LEC. Like, I thought, surely, like, you know, comes back down a little little bit maybe he's between where he was at regular split and playoffs like apparently he hasn't stopped at all he's just fucking wrecking everyone looks super sick as you say probably the best player in lec so already you've got like the, all these cool win conditions then i'll just throw in there every single time people decide like i think i don't know why anyone would do this here Matt, or you know this you coach the guy but people just wake up this is how people have to be contrarians they wake up and go i think today i'll just doubt yankos don't know why I do it. People have tried many times, but you know what? They all see doubt Yankos. Meanwhile, and then he just gets his fucking LL Cool John, doesn't he? Like, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Like, motherfucker. It's like he was trying to just show off the whole portfolio as well. Just comes out with a fucking boring ass trundle game into a Diana kick carry game into a bit of volleyball just to end the weekend and show that I actually am the daddy. All you junglers around here can just stay my fucking Padawans, who I will mercilessly wreck at any point in time. See you in the finals, dickhead. And then just walk out the studio. So, like, the whole team's just sick. Like, I, even though. Oh, I don't believe it'll keep going the whole split. I'm sure eventually the other squads will get it together and it'll be really interesting. For now, they are just the best. You have to give it up to them. G2 just looks amazing in week one. Fair play. By the way, mad props to their coaching staff. They must have done a really good job getting everyone back in sort of position and mentally in, in place to compete. Respect. Respect. <laughs> That's where we end the, the G2 tab. It's just respect and we just have a moment of silence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Moment of silence for all the other teams. <laughs> I've got a question for you then. Here's my, here's what I want to know, Yamato. Because mm. if people don't know, Yamato, if you think of even the sorts of like fucking football people you'll have seen, just from we to eats or like vibe. Like, here's the vibe check on Yamato and who he secretly wants to be in esports. He wants to be some sort of mix. When he played, he probably thought he was like Ibrahimovic or something. Now as a coach, he wants to be like Jose Mourinho. He wants to be like that fit, like that sort of like compelling figure who brings the best out of people, but ha is able to do the media barrage at the same time, like in inspire people so here's my question for you right i know one aspect of that which i do believe is a good angle that coaches don't use enough is too many coaches in my opinion you might or really do just make it like x's and o's like it's right here's what we're doing guys like it's very boring like it's just today we're going to practice this we're going to i think sometimes you have to sort of like light a fire or like almost use like narratives with people so i've got a question for you right everyone said when mad lions won those championships like humanoid is the next caps i've got a question for you do you think like is Yamato Cannon trying to actually? Would you like there to be a real rivalry between Caps and Humanoid? Would it, essentially, would you would you ever tell Humanoid like Caps is better than you right now? Mm, I think I think Humanoid as a character, he wouldn't give a shit. Wonder, just wonder what do you think? <laughs> it's like if if I would, if I would say that to him, he would say, "Okay, I don't really care that you think that. I just kind of do my thing." Like, like Marek is, is so just tied to his own performance and his own individual skill. And like, that's his main focus. And then his main focus is just for him to just enjoy himself. He wants to have fun and everything else is just noise. So if I, if I had more noise there, like it would just be noise. It's like, yeah, Caps is doing pretty fucking good right now. Yeah. I'd say, okay, yeah, that's fine. Uh, like I think he 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 prides himself on how well he lanes, and I think his his like individual like if I put if I would put him in a one v one tournament right now, I would put money on him in in Europe 
it's kind of like the identity of 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 Chovy over in in Korea. Like the main thing that uh, he has, Yeah, uh, so, I mean, there's no junglers in a one v one. So I mean, all oh, right. I, I, I wonder where you're going with this, dude. Like, that's the one question I have. I know what you mean. Like, I listen. I think he's a very good player, but like, he does die a lot in lane randomly. Which is mostly to, to the jungler, right? To my point. <laughs> I did I think... see so all I'll say is this, I did see someone on Reddit say that listen, every now and then you've got to give the devil his credit, right? Give the devil his yeah. due. Someone on Reddit did say humanoid does look like he plays like he's the enemy jungler's dream mid lane. Like that's a good line. That's a good uh, line. I like how your motto just like backed into know. that. We're, we're like, oh, so like, he know. has all these problems. Like he's actually, you know, like he's dying too much. And then he's like, well, if it was a 1v1 tournament, then, then I'll put money on him. And I was like, like oh, oh, we, we yeah. think he's not, we, we think it's not a 1v1 tournament. Let me get in, man. Let me save myself. Basically, my point is, I think in terms of laning, Fucking pristine, fucking insane lane face, right? I think he, what, really, like that, he did. He did CS the fuck out of someone this last weekend. To be fair, he is a, a mad raw laner. Yeah, sure. Right. He I took such that. a big dump on Certus. Yes. It was yes. like he got like TP advantage against <laughs> like against Victor somehow with Corky. Like had one of the CS head took some jungle camps from yes, from Ivan and than he's. Curtis. Yeah, yeah that, the the point being, right? Let me just sell the point, and then you guys can do okay. your commentary. Yeah, right. is in terms of lane phase, I think really, really fucking pristine. The main thing he's working on is just how he uh, is in tune together with 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 Ivan and uh, and and Hilly, and how he can use them as his weapons. I think this is something that Caps is good at. He uses people around him as his weapons. It's like, yo, I, I can fuck this guy right here. Come, 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 come. What are you doing? Come, give up the CS. Come, 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 meet. And this is something that 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 Marek is actively working on, and and, and is getting better on. And uh, hopefully, you know, with time, I believe I believe in terms of pure mid lane skill, I think Marek is is the best for sure. Um, and that's the point I wanted to ha like hammer home. Like in terms of like laning and just mechanical skill, in terms of his champ, really fucking pristine, insane. And just how he ties together and how he uses others in order to win games, I think this is something that Caps is very good at because he's good at drawing positive attention to himself and becoming like the catalyst for his victories. And Marek is more of the guy who's going to, the way he 1v9s games is he's going to be 100 CS ahead and just be one, a full item ahead somehow just because he took a big shit on the enemy player. And that's, like, I think, this is the contrast. That's just by, by the voice. You you can't get baited by the voice. Like I, I was know. I was listening I there. I'm like it all makes. I'm like wait, what the fuck? One v one tournament. Holy shit! Wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get some water while you guys talk shit about me. Yeah? <laughs> Listen though, I have to say, if you actually do have to try and compliment a player who, as he says, in certain ways is really good at laning. He has a one small downside, Dom. He dies a lot in lane. But if you wanted to make that sound amazing, that is the way to say it, to just say it. Yeah, in no, a it one turn, It took me a second to. Yeah, it would be unbeatable. I, I, I was true. thinking, I was like, I was like, yeah, no, he is really fucking good. Like, 1v1, this motherfucker, like, he is top tier. Like he might be better than Cap. Wait a second. Yeah, Wait like a that. second. Like like that, yeah. Hold yeah. on, it's a 5v5. <laughs> it's all good. It's no, all I understand good. the point, though. You can always rely on this show to bring the spice and of course Yamato to bring that delicious movie trailer level voice 
soothes you and explains what's happening in the environment. You know that fucking that gravel, little bit of texture could make millions doing just doing voiceovers, couldn't he, for for adverts on TV? You'd buy insurance from this guy. But I tell you what, if you want to talk about buying at the right price. I've looked on eSports Bet on the LEC fixtures for this upcoming weekend. And I think I've got one that's a banger. Because as you'll see if you watch the show, I don't really believe in vitality. I don't really think this lineup can do it. Like, I still think they have some good players, but the identity of the squad looks dodgy. Meanwhile, who is the polar opposite for that to me? Look, individually, I don't think XL has the best players. And I think they rely on their team players as a squad and being more than some of their parts. But I do think they're a pretty canny squad with an identity. So when I see vitality is playing XL and vitality is the favourite. They're a 1.635, whereas XL's down at 2.29229. I'm going to take XL to win this one. I think XL wins this. They're their better squad, their better overall group of players in terms of how they actually play in the server, not just on paper on a wiki. So I'm going to say, actually, I think XL's going to take this one. I think it's a cheeky, perfect opportunity to take the underdog, and they're actually going to win out in this one, even though, yes, people like obviously Perks, Kazi, Alfari, these are bigger names overall than most of the XL players. Doesn't matter. I'm taking them to actually beat out Vitality. Now let's get back to the discussion about LEC. I understand. That is the thing. To keep it fun, we'll just bounce around the teams. We won't just go in order or anything. So one team I want to bring up, I alluded to it earlier, right? Basically, Yamato, I'll fill you in on the info here, right? On Mm. all my shows, when people were doing the power rankings and where they think people are going to place, I have, like, one mad hot take that I have, which I don't claim is based on, like, I'm not some, like, super scout. Like, I didn't see anything secretly from Vizichachi in the fucking ERLs or anything. But basically, I actually just thought, like, Astralis would be... I wouldn't. Did, I thought they wouldn't be the worst team. I had them as like my eighth team, whereas most people I noticed had them as like tenth or ninth, basically. And a lot of people think like that roster is going to be shit because Cersei was in them NA and it wasn't very impressive. Chachi like didn't really like set the world on fire in the RLs, and then obviously no one gives a flying fuck basically generally about Dayhawk, etc. And then just basically the problem with the Jonghoon guy is just no one knows him. He's just some guy from solo queue in Korea, etc. Now look, obviously again the reason I say that is even though for joking purposes I could claim like I told you guys like, I didn't really because I never claimed any of these reasons. But I will say this one angle. One, I did say the John Hoon guy to me, I actually do think if you're Astralis, that's a great fucking gamble to make. Like, if you was Astralis, can somehow get someone who actually might be like some really good mechanical Korean player? Like, why not? You're Astralis anyway. You're never in the bloody playoffs. You never do anything. You may as well gamble. You may as well just go for it and see if it works out. And by the way, that one thus far, from what I can see with my layman's eye, that does look like it's fucking really good, actually. Like, that player actually looks like he has some skills. He looks half decent. So, even though, look, there's definitely, like, I saw one game at least where Visage actually looked pretty fucking pretty shit to be FA. Looked like he hadn't necessarily gotten back to his old level. Right, start me out here. What do you think, Yamato? What is Astralis going to be like this split? Are you surprised to see them win? I will say as well, just for context, one of the wins was against BDS, who most people flame. I mean... I mean, they flame themselves with how they fucking play. They flame reality with how they're legal. Just like, whatever. I'll, they, we'll they, they, I don't know why I'm flaming them all. Yeah, they are I, shit I hate anyway. that team. I then hate obviously, that team. there's the Misfits team, who to be fair, have looked pretty whack. But obviously, like it's not like they're playing total bombs. They did get the win again. Oh, sorry, they lost against G2. Obviously, they lost against G2. Right, what do you think, you're out of Astralis? Uh, I think, like, my, my impression, uh, first and foremost, was that there's just going to be, like, a very awkward team to play against. It's like, I, I felt that way already last split, but they had a different roster. But I think I think they kind of filled that same slot somehow that, you know, they have, uh, uh, you know, players that, that are unique in their own sense, and they just force you to, to think in your preparation. 
And having a support that that I have very little information on adds uh, another layer to it. Like I remember, like the, the, the like the first game he played on stage. I think he didn't ban a champ on the fifth ban, and then I, I look at the player cams, and he just locks in Soraka. He just didn't say anything. I was like, okay, Soraka into Renata. Let's let's see this. And then he played the Pike with the glacial. It was very in intriguing. Right, very intriguing. I don't get that same level of intrigue when I think of like Misfits or or SK. It's like I was very surprised. Like when I'm researching SK for the last couple of splits, I, I look at the solo queue accounts, and the majority of that team just don't play solo queue, or they have very hidden accounts. Maybe that's the case. I'm not throwing any any shade out there. Maybe they have some hidden accounts. Maybe that would be their excuse. But when I look at the other teams that would be considered bottom, like when we played against SK, it's like we made a couple of mistakes, but my players weren't like sweating. They they felt like in that game, like well, no matter what fucking happens, we're gonna win. Against a team like Astralis with that roster, I think they can they can throw some curveballs at you and they will make you think. And in in my mind, if I compare Astralis to Misfits, SK, BDS, I think Astralis is definitely a step above. I I, I could see a world where Astralis uh, like find a, find their way into playoffs, but I I thought thought this was more likely before this super week was because I had the lower opinion of what Mad Lions could potentially be, but uh, right. only because I thought that the the luggage and the position that they were in in spring was a very tough one to work your way out of so i am impressed in a positive manner of of the impact of of niski and that uh, uh, refreshing win they've had in, in in their play what do you think dom i think that their laning is just way too shit to actually make waves they might be better than misfits or bds i don't think they'll be better than sk but if they're better than those teams, I think it's just because like those teams, that's more of an indictment on the other teams to me than right. like if I think Astralis is actually good at all. Because when I see their like, there's nothing that, that tells me that Chachi will actually be be able to lane against anyone in the LEC. Like who who can he actually play lane into? I mean, that, that game where he got solo killed multiple times is Scion versus Jax. That was into uh, irrelevant, right? Wasn't that into Misfits? Or, yes. I mean, yes, that was right. That's fucking rough. Like, if you have a new player coming from ERLs, I mean, apparently this guy did well against Chachi and ERLs. I didn't watch uh, much of Chachi's team. I believe he was on Gamers Origin just because I don't care about anyone on that roster. They were like a middle to bottom tier team. Um, so I didn't catch too many um, games, but apparently, like, this guy was good against Chachi and ERLs too. So I'm just trying to look at the roster and I'm like, okay, if Chachi has to start playing against these top tier top laners, like, is he even going to be able to be a tank and get through it? Like, it doesn't seem like that's even on the radar for, for things that, that can happen. So I think that Astralis could be one of the teams that is like stuck in lane, you know, like they just, they get so far behind every game that they don't have the ability to let any of their like macro or like team fighting or anything that they could potentially be good at with like a bunch of veterans or um, an experienced roster. They, they're not going to have the ability to actually show that. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that maybe, maybe they might end up being eighth. I could see that. I, I mean, with how shit BDS looks, it looks impossible for BDS to even win a game. Like, what does yes. a BDS win even fucking look like? How, how do they get there? Because they invent a new way to lose every single game. They find a new way. Like, they're, they're so disgustingly shit <laughs> that... They, they are incredibly inversely innovative, though, as you say, though. Like, they, but, but they're so disgustingly shit that you can't people, even capitalize on what a win looks like. understand, Dom. A lot of people out there, they're not great. Like, you know, like that famous line where Muhammad Ali said, even if he'd been a street sweeper, he'd be the greatest street sweeper to ever live. It's like the BDS team took that philosophy. And they were like, if we're going to be shit, 
we should be the most creatively <laughs> shit team to ever play League of Legends. Don't just lose the same way. Don't just all feed the same way. You've got to find a new... What, what are the new domains of loss and defeat that are possible to actually conceive of and then manifest into the world? So, like, I'll tell you what, you know... Like, do you want to talk about BDS? Like, I feel like Come those on, players, their, their instincts are so bad that there's like nothing that you could coach because like, even if you coach concepts, how do you coach when, how do you coach a team when they literally just don't know what to do? No matter what the situation situation is, they'll always fail it. Like they have, look, you can't tell me that coaching is, Hey, when Baron is like 1500 HP, you should probably like contest at least the Baron's spot. Even if you have to 50, 50 at that fucking point, you've already made the mistake. Like you can go into review and be like, Oh, like, we probably shouldn't 50-50 here. We should, like, send people over the wall or zone the enemy jungle. Like, you can get into that conversation. But if your instincts are, the Baron is 1,500 HP, let's go chase the Tom Kench. I just don't want to, I, I don't even want to have a conversation anymore. Like, that's one where you don't even review. You just, you know, hey, uh, it just wasn't our week. Let's go to the next game. Like, how do you even talk about these these situations? So, you know, Grabs is, is, is my friend, and, you know, because I'm a <laughs> fucked up person, I like flaming my friend. With that sentence, it can't be good. What's coming? Like, this no, no, is no. my friend. Like, well, <laughs> look, grab ah! my friend, and I would love to flame my friends because you know I'm just a fucked up person like that. Sure, but when I see what he has to deal with, I just feel like oh, there's nothing he can do with this. I know there's nothing he can do with this. You can't coach. No, no, that. Like, I mean, I don't care if if you give Phil Jackson a high school team, you can't win yes. an NBA game. Like, it just is what it is. Yes, and, and I mean, it goes back to what I I just said. Their instincts are just so atrociously bad. It's I, I don't understand how you can have those natural impulses inside the game. You'd think that even like gold players would have better natural instincts towards, hey, I mean, the Baron's kind of low. I should probably at least contest it than whatever the fuck they're doing. Like, I don't I don't know yes. what the comms are. Oh, Tom is trolling. Tom is, can, oh, can we get Tom? Like, why is he walking in? Like, <laughs> what are you even saying in this game to make God, that happen? Like, how could that be the decision? I don't know. It, I, know. I don't know. Fuck that team. That team pisses me off. Like, I actually just hate watching that team. It's only played one week in the split. (laughs) (laughs) One week. He's like, fuck that team. Get (laughs) off the league. Like, thing is, though, like. I'm so disgusted. I'm so disgusted. Thing is, though, even though it's a childish joke, they should just put an M on the end of that team because they're just here for the punishment, aren't they? Like, fuck (laughs) hell, man. This team is so bad. Because I even said that. This is another call I actually did magically get as well, um, Yamato. I did say as well, BDS will definitely, even with these roster changes, be the worst team in the LEC. Because the problem I have with their squad, it's why I don't understand how they're making the team. Like, I'll contrast it with the Astralis team. As much as Astralis has clear flaws, like Tom's right, if the top player ends up not being able to ever lean, you're going to have a hard fucking time not what he can do on a tank. But with that said, like here's the difference at least Astralis has some veterans though like they have some players who played together or played in LEC or have even been good in LEC like some of their players have the problem I have with the BDS squad with the last lineup and this lineup is it's like you're just stacking like inexperienced rookies though like 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 dumb saying it's like what do you think the coach is going to do there like remember he is just the coach like his job is just like tell them like we're going to play like this and like his job isn't like take the play it's not like some fucking reality series where you take some for like liposuction and then fucking like exercise and then like fucking like eye surgery like he doesn't get to do that he just has to work with the players he's got doesn't he like i I agree i don't know what you could do with this bds team it just looks kind of like kind of a failed project even though i will say it's just week one like i'll obviously give them a a little bit more of a chance but it doesn't look good you know it doesn't look good i won't i give them no chance like i don't like (laughs) they can start winning games even even if they win games i'll probably just flame the team like i i just i just have something you can do that right for how they play because it just looks so fucking stupid like i can handle bad mechanics 
I can't handle just pure stupidity. And at this point, I mean, just look at some of the other games. Look, look at the, the fucking game where they were playing Akali or whatever. They took a straight 4v5 on Drake. They like aggressively fought a known 4v5 when their top laner doesn't have TP and is walking down. Look, we're in season 12. We've at least mastered the idea of like, does our top laner not have TP? Oh shit, if he doesn't have TP, then he either needs to be here and we're fighting or we're cross mapping. We've at least gotten to that point. If, if we don't even understand that, then fuck it. Like, just, just scrap the whole fucking thing. Literally bench the whole team, get the Academy roster in here. I, I don't even care that the Academy roster is doing bad in LFL. I just can't imagine it being worse than this. Like, please do anything to not make me watch this. I swear, like, it's just, it, it ruins, like, LEC. It actually just makes it so hard to watch. Like, any game that involves them, you immediately have to change your mindset, and instead of potentially approaching it with, oh, I want to see good league, you have to immediately, immediately start hate watching. You got to be one of those viewers that is like, I just want to be, like, turned on by watching BDS fucking lose. I got to just enjoy the way that they fuck it up, rather than try to understand something about the game or be impressed with good League of Legends play. There you go. So you've got to be a masochist to play on BDS. You've got to be a sadic. You've got to be a fucking sadist to watch BDS, right? Okay, I get it. Yep. Right, thing is, Yamato, now anything, even criticism you say, sound like prayers compared to that. Like, Dom set the bar pretty pretty far down. So what do you think of BDS? Are they all right, team? What, what's going on? <laughs> you're going to transition it like that. <laughs> what, what do you think? Honestly... <laughs> It's it's like I have I'm so disinterested, so I I don't even have like a clear opinion. It's it's like there is. It's like of course I'm gonna watch the games and see what's up and see the draft, and my conclusion will be well, well either they fix this or they just auto lose. So let's see what they fix. Let's prepare for. You know, that uh, wild guy at the bar that's drunk, he's going to swing his fists and, you know, we need to be careful. <laughs> and, and that's it. You know, on, on my end, it's like I don't have an opinion. It's like it's not interesting enough to to dig deep into. It's like when I watch, I, I, I want to watch with, with a sense of purpose and I'm going to watch your games ahead of our match. But other than that, it's like I don't really have uh, an opinion. You know, it's like Fair enough. we didn't even scrim them, right? <laughs> Like we didn't scrim yeah. them, and why uh, the fuck is scrim them? Exactly. Like, they're one like, of those teams. That's how it works in, in 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 fucking pro leagues. If you're at the bottom of the league, you're getting only academy scrims. So no, they're not going to even get scrims to get better because at this point, until they start winning games on stage, they're not going to earn those scrims from the top team. So I would bet you their fucking scrim set just looks like maybe they get an Astralis game every now and then, but they're probably just scrimming only ERL teams. And even the ERL teams are like, all right, can we not get better practice than this? Do we really have to fucking like scrim against this? Fair, they probably get the odd game where like you know grabs pulls in a favor. For G two players, but they just have Carlos play mid lane instead of Caps or something like to make it you know make it interesting or something like oh come on at least put Caps in for fuck's sake like maybe if you win a scrim God oh, you didn't shit well whatever Carlos plays again he was playing top lane there you go I'm curious about the record against the academy <laughs> team like they must be screaming their academy team right I'm curious about the record I, I've heard about the record and I, uh, look I don't want to leak any scrims or anything I've heard it is not favorable to the main team. Currently, yeah, I, it just threw, I just threw that out yeah. there because I wanted to be leaked somehow because no, I don't want to be the person. That is the joke. That's why the academy team must not be doing very well because the academy team was probably playing loads of scrims against the LEC team. They're like, <laughs> we're pretty fucking good. We're probably going to stop the URLs. Like, oh shit! Like, exactly. That's like when perspective hits. You know, it's like that moment when you fucking wake up in the morning, you roll over. Based off purely namesake, I would take the the academy team. Oh, like sure. Crown Shot, Reeker, and Adam. At least they might be able to do something. Yeah. Like, I, like at least, I mean, look, 
I, I flamed Adam but, a lot. Can I just ask you a question? Because I have to ask this now. Look, I've held my tongue for many years on this topic, okay. but I will not be fucking silenced any longer. Whose wife did Crown Shop fuck? Is he just not allowed to play in LEC? Like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't, like, I watch X Matty play for, like, fucking, what, like, 20 games now? Like, I don't get it. Like, look. So listen, there's plenty of angles you could have on like like maybe crowd shots like I don't know too much of the LS wave thing or whatever. I don't know what fucking weird angles people have to hate on him now. I think he's just like an always at least like mid tier fucking LEC quality ADC who looks like he has some half decent ideas about how to even play around the game if the game goes late as an ADC. Like he's just a good player. Like how why is this guy always on benches or academy teams? Like dude, I've thought the same thing now for two years. Every time I look at the bottom of LEC, there's like four teams could all just use crown shot if he's not already in the league. Like, what is going on here, mate? Like, who, who did he piss off? Like, who was he? Has he done some like fucking Robert Downey Jr. shit? We just get blackballed from the whole industry. What's he done? This must be some epic shit. He must have been just fucking doing fucking cork off someone's tits, like fucking, <laughs> fucking like Mr. Riot's bitch or something. I don't know. What, what did he do? What did crown shot do? All I need, like, self made. Why did you do this to crown shot? I don't know. What, what happened? What happened at this point? I mean, what's going on? Why can't crown shot? play please leave crown shot alone that's what i'm saying uh, i don't get look, it mate. look the, you want to know the ultimate flame on x maddie it's bds did it to themselves i don't even need to inject anything here come on they played a senna scion bot lane and they said you know what x maddie why don't you play the scion why doesn't our support play the senna and you play the fucking scion can you ever oh, imagine an other team making this decision like imagine if, if, if if Reckless last year with Mickey were to fucking play Sino Scion, could you imagine Reckless being the Scion and Mickey playing the Like, no, no, you're going to have your fucking AD carry play the AD carry champion and you're going to have the support play the champion that's supposed to run in and die. Like, that's just clear. And they still were like, and that was probably the best game they played. They were like, yeah, this was pretty good. Maybe we should play like more Scion as our AD carry. Like, you want to play Tom no. Kench? Like, maybe Senna could be a quarter on strategy. That's all you fucking need to know how, how bad BDS thinks their AD carry is. There was a game. There was a fucking game that I watched x play. It was one of the MF games. He was actually playing okay in that game. And there was a moment mid, mid lane where he literally died to just Victor ult. Like he was just walking in and out of the Victor ult that was just sitting on the floor and he just died to it. Like what? what really? Is, I can show you the fucking clip. He just walks into the fucking thing and dies. Like I don't even know what to say about it. It's just, it's so bad, man. What, what was Astralis versus BDS? Okay, here you might. I'll get it to you. I'll, I'll get it to you just so you can watch it. You can watch it live on our show. I even have. I was I was literally hate watching and I was clipping this already. So I, I actually just I pulled right up to the timestamp in the VOD. Nice, perfect. He walks twice back into it. Like the last one, he literally is clicks twice into it and dies. Like, the last one's mad egregious as well. He just walks right back into it. I know. I mean, when you go into a review, like, then what do you even say? <laughs> like, put it this way: Dom didn't oversell it. It is pretty egregious. Like, if because as he says, if you only watch him in the team fight, it just looks really bad, doesn't it? I know. It looks I mean, like his camera just like must not be on his character. And he's all. like looking in the team fight at for all. an angle and he's like, oh shit, I died to like some shit. I mean, to be honest, look, I, don't, I watched NA. I watched King die twice to Corky Package alone. 100 Corky Package alone okay. walk into it and die, which was more egregious than this. I'll, I'll say that. But I mean, oh, man. I feel bad for the dude. Shit, man. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> the thing is, though, I'll also say it. 
Like he should feel bad for us. We're the ones watching. Sure, like he's sure. the one that has all the agency. He can do everything about it. What do you mean he feel bad for him? <laughs> he has got a point. He has got a point. I will say this though. The other thing I hate about the BDS team is like, give me at least like some angle to get hyped. Like I'll give you an example. For real, if I could make a change tomorrow, I just I would force fucking misfits and BDS to swap junglers. Because also, right, Synchrov's one of the few players on BDS that looks decent. You can't even do anything with his skill set with that team. Like, what's the point in being a path and jungler in a team that just does nothing like the joke is like at least if Slatton was on the team he could like play a lease in game and have a pop-off game or something like that's about the whole, most I can hope for because BDS is just a waste of time let's transition to Misfits then because right I want to get your thoughts on this Yamato I saw like Misfits got some flame from people from scrims and stuff right we a lot of shows it looks like people are pretty out on them as well obviously they don't have the hero factor anymore they've brought in irrelevant from the RLs generally obviously they've got the other swap as well right what do you think of this team as a squad because even though they were a team that obviously was third in the last split it was looking great blah 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 like it feels like something's happened they've regressed in some way something's gone wrong with this squad you know you know there's this story about how shit we were on scrims right and i've confirmed it everyone's confirmed it okay but misfits was worse that was what was so fucking crazy you know it's it's just like what what is going on this split and the level of play is what i expected more so last split I feel like last bit is still the, the big fucking surprise to me. It's like oh. them being uh, down low and losing games. Like that's that's not the surprise. The surprise is somehow they fucking stole Elder Dragon that's... from us. They stole Elder Dragon from G2, and they <laughs> got some victories here and there. And it was the the video show. He he somehow clawed his way back into yes. games together with his homies playing the scaling champs. And then there was Neon. Uh, the the jinx master just uh, getting those kills you know and uh, that was like the big surprise like everyone that screamed against misfits and played against misfits just knew it's like there's no substance here and um like i I don't think there was a clear clear path of progression Uh, like i i don't think they figured out how to actually uh, get better and i think uh, that um that illusion, that curtain of of your victories can be very blinding, and I think they're just facing some some harsh realities now. I think uh, they have a lot of fucking catching up to do, and I don't know if they have uh, the player uh, capacity to to do so. And uh, I think their level of performance now is what I have come to expect. And I think last bit was just such a big fucking surprise. I thought the only potential angle, just because I don't know too much about uh, their top laner, was that this guy is going to find just another layer of how to just go mid and, uh, you know, help Vitio look a little bit better. And maybe that's that's an angle that Hirid couldn't do too much. Uh, and I, I don't know if um, the game is, you know, if it was season three, maybe, but <laughs> we're in season 12. Like, it just doesn't work uh, like that anymore. And uh, I think Vitio is a, is a decent player, right? But, you know, the, the, the mid lane role is, is, is quite stacked and heavy. And I don't think he's, like, better than, than, than Humanoid or Caps. I think he's, he's quite, uh, uh, like, he's, he's worse than them for sure. Yeah. I, mean, I, think the, the, I think the problem with this team... So I, I don't get angry the, the way that, like, when, when I watch Misfits. I feel sad when I watch Mis- Misfits. I don't feel the, the pure anger that I feel when, when BDS... Um, plays League of Legends, but I think the problem is that they're just figured out and there's just not they, like they had so many relatively like c- c- constant pieces that they would always play around in spring and now 
they're just not getting them, right? Like Lee Sin is getting banned all the time. So Schlotten is just not a good jungler anymore. When you take away Lee Sin, he's just a completely different player. Um, you know, the reset AD carry Jinx is just a lot weaker. So you don't even have the, the sidekick um, yep. here as well. So like, I think the meta uh, switched away from them. And then, I mean, sure, the top lane's not running it down anymore. Like here, it had a pretty bad split, but you just don't have the firepower anywhere. It's like, it's yes. really hard to see them them winning games and eventually when you only have one player to worry about on a team it's pretty easy to prep for them and just like play the game out i mean even if vedio was in god mode still i don't know what he would be able to do with with what's around him there's just not enough points of strength where you actually feel threatened by the team at all yes i mean i think even if he was in god mode like he says you could even just cynically draft against him like you could if you have to have some you have to have some threat from other teammates of what things you have to watch out for in the draft where you have to go be careful etc is there any hope for this team, Yamato? Do you see any like light at the end of the tunnel? No. Uh, it's like what what is the light in your eyes? Oh, Seventh true. place. Like what, what's what's the light? Let's define light. Getting to playoffs. Getting to being playoffs. Being in the upper bracket, top four. <laughs> you know, that's that's that light is very far away. Like this is the longest tunnel you've ever seen in your life. You know, it's 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 not gonna happen, I think. I think that there is there is enough decent teams. Uh, I think uh, currently, and uh, I think last split, there was a lot of teams that were supposed to do better, but they didn't, you know. And yep. uh, I think now XL they got to settle in with Nelson and Mickey. Like that was a change they did mid split, right? And I think Mad Lion's gonna kick it into gear. We're gonna kick it into gear. I don't know what's happening with Rogue, but I'm sure they're gonna be like okay, right? And I think that's just gonna be, you know, I just don't have any faith in Misfits uh, bouncing back. If they do somehow, props to them, but uh, I, I sincerely doubt it. Sure. I mean, I will say as well, like, the reason I wasn't even hyped about, like, the irrelevant angle is, like, this is the problem. You have to you have to keep all your narratives in order, guys, right? The narrative can't be that he's some amazing top laner who must be tried in the LEC because that's not why they're putting him in the team. They're putting him in the team because here it was just so bad. He's not such here. a fucking liability. Yeah, exactly. The joke is here it was just bad enough. That's why this guy gets a chance. It's different if it's, like, you've got, like, two players like they're just competing for the spot. That doesn't sound like that's what this is. Also, it's a terrible sign, by the way, guys, that here it just, like, summit did that thing which just like right well and i go back to korea now like and just gone from the whole region like what fucking hell like like not, not even not even a chance i'm going to another team or trying again like fucking hell like, it's crazy because the thing that kills me about this squad was the reason why here it really was the fucking x factor that doomed them is because you saw even in the summer last year like when him and vetio could have like carry games now you had something now you could like you could work with that like you've got some strong solo learners that's a great formula to win in lec and at least be a competent team the thing i thought killed them is after seeing like last split and then the first few games of this one dude this is where narratives actually i i, I know i know everyone moans about it on shows like orgs listening to narratives but they do they do buy their own bullshit to some degree like i don't know if you saw this yamato at the end of last split because he just got to no joke just pick lease in a billion times people were putting like schlatten like one of the top junglers in the whole lec and he was getting like for, for real people were putting like a top three lec jungler in, like they're all lec it was mental mates so you should go back and look at some of this it's nuts like people had him as like the fucking i can remember what i put him at <laughs> maybe no, no, i, I don't know. remember you might have done you might have done but anyway the point i'm making is like i always thought like he's mad question He's like, like literally, you can just ban this motherfucker out the game, and now when the champion's not even in the game, it's like he just looks terrible, mate. Like, like not like the worst player in the LEC, but like again, it's not like another win condition. You're not going to win games from having him. So I just think the team's a bit lackluster, unfortunately. And like you say, Dom, like Neon, in the sense he's just been soft nerfed, any by the game. So 
I don't see any progression from Mercer either. Like, I, I thought that, you know, he was the type of guy where maybe you give him a split and he starts catching on. Um, but it just doesn't look like there's anything that's clicking there. It just seems like he's just there way too soon. Like, just doesn't seem ready for a uh, pro play yet or like top level pro play yet. But they have Coach Carter. Come on, Coach Carter. With right. a name like that, man. Come on, man. Just yeah, make him do push ups. Where it's like, what are you going to actually do? Like, how do you coach that? I mean, I would never, like, if I was trying to coach, I would never accept a job like that because I feel like there's just no hope. Like, you at least want to have something that you could work with. But, I mean, I just think that Misfits just doesn't have the pieces. They just don't have enough LEC players to actually compete in LEC. What I'm actually hyped for is BDS versus Misfits. Week three, day one, that is going to be a fucking banger. BDS versus Misfits, that's going to be, I can't wait for that game. I love that Hopefully, you know the date so perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Week three, day one, game two. Yep. And and I think that there's a high chance both of them are 0-5 going into that game. Because, Ooh. yeah, they've both had their game versus Astralis, right? So that was supposed to be the game. So okay. I think there's a good chance we had 0-5 or 0-5, and it's just going to be like, who wants to lose more? That's going to decide it. So should be a banger. Okay. Exciting. Actually, even though you joked about it there, you might. I actually have a question about that. Do you think in the modern day, like obviously coaches normally all fucking go to bat for each other. And they're like, no one can really know what's going on unless they're in the team, etc. Do you think in the modern day, should it be considered, I'll give you the example, should it be like European soccer? So in football, right? Basically, you can hire like someone who's never been a coach, for example, like obviously legendary players like fucking Frank Lampard. You can understand why someone's going to give them a chance. They were like a great player, etc. But even so, like typically organizations are pretty cynical. Like if you can, you have a shortlist and you just go and you just go for all the guys that have won before. You go for the top of the list, the guys won the league in the European Cup and or won in another league, like he's won in Serie A and you get him into the Premier League, right? Do you think in league, I, what I want to know is this, I get the vibe personally in the modern day, there's only a few orgs go that sort of like old school sports approach. Maybe your org was one, maybe they went for your name, maybe people bigged you up and they thought you were a good coach and they brought you in. But I get the vibe with the other ones. It's just how you do in the interview, mate. Like if you sound like you fit their vision or all this fucking buzzwords, you know, like he has the same philosophy as us too. His attitude was in all that fucking middle management yeah, shit. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of people can get hired where I don't even know if you have to be like sort of proven to get in the door. So I wonder because that's one thing when I look at the bottom of LEC and LCS that I wonder about. Some of the coaches, it's like, does anyone know if any of these guys are good? Like, I don't know where this guy's come from. Like, what's his specialty? Like, what's his strengths? What are your thoughts on that? Like, I would, like, like if I was a general manager, right, it, it would just be de highly dependent on what, what the budget that I'm operating under. It's like, I, I would I would approach it the same way I would approach players. I, I think when you are operating under a lower budget and you are facing other teams in, in, in the league that have a bigger budget and they have the big names, you have the obligation to try to become as awkward and like you just have to take as like big risks in 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 context of what your budget is for example in 2018 vitality i had the option of going for all of the regular names that everyone has seen lose against the top players over and over again or i could take this crazy emotional bunch 
that had the momentum from winning the LVP in December and they were already in top form and they just had to come in and relearn the game through me and Cabo and we would take the world by storm. You know, that was like, I, like I talked to their stories, I, we scrimmed against them, we got as much information as possible uh, on these players and we just took that risk. We could have taken the players that everyone knows. Oh, this, this roster is exciting. This is a guaranteed fourth place, yes. Or we could take that obligation to become very, like we, we take the risk, right? We, we want to do something different and something new. And it was the same in the way we approached the game. It's like we made sure that we are very different from every other team in the region, just because on paper we were like 2018 Fnatic. That was the team we wanted to beat. So we 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 kind of tried to uh, create uh, like a way of playing that would be so different from everyone else. So when Fnatic is practicing against others, they don't get any information or any clearer idea on how to play against us. We wanted to create that element of awkwardness. And for me, if I was a GM, right, if, if I'm going to look at the names of, of, of who I can hire, I would definitely look at some, some, some of the players that maybe haven't coached before just to take a risk just because of uh, their ingenuity when it came to the game and, and so forth. Especially when, in, in theory, in contrast to traditional sports, uh, they have like a fucking vast history of, of players. They have a lot of fucking experience, some of them 20, uh, 20 years of experience under their belt because they played from the fucking age of five even fucking further. It's like there's a well-established pool in the current day and age, it's like we have a couple of names that people know and so forth, but but then the rest of it, it's like you just have to fucking keep taking risks until you hit the jackpot, the guy that is going to, you know, create something different and be that guy that maybe the top teams want to eventually steal away, right? And I think the same uh, theory applies. It's like if I was working with one of the lower teams, I would make it my obligation to make sure that there is some sense and some hint of potential something that we're building on uh, that is visible you need to fucking take risks that's why like the support like as you mentioned before the astralis are picking up the support okay they fucking try to dig dig them up from the the the, the challenges series in korea and they just fucking let's see like maybe this guy is gonna smurf it maybe not like at least it's exciting in some shape or form it brings questions and i think the same thing the same thought process could be applied to to coaching uh, too uh, especially in a world where, like now, you have a lot of coaches in the RL leagues. Uh, like I talk with some guys, very intelligent guys that have the potential. They're just not given like a, a chance, and I think that's where you also need to take risk on top of taking risk with players. And uh, this is like these, these these guys that are working in the RL teams. They are willing willing to work for absolutely fucking nothing just for a chance. And uh, maybe there are all the diamonds in the rough. And I don't know what the, the pool of coaches are for the current teams in the LEC. Oh. So I'm not like trying to put shade on them. Yeah, yeah. I just I just I am very disinterested in in, in in those guys because it has nothing to do with me, right? Okay. I like the way Yamato's like going hard on that fucking angle that everyone loves from that like Mad Men clip, Dom. Have you seen the one <laughs> where that guy guy in the elevator is like, you know, like, oh some other and then that guy goes, I don't think about you at all. It's like that's <laughs> he's all swagged out, like oh Yamato's whole thing's like, who's even on beating? You know what? Don't even tell me. I'll fucking if they ever beat us, I guess I'll find out on the scoreboard screen at the end. Like fucking fucking hell. I like his approach. Just like, but then again, I'm actually totally unaware if there even are coaches aside from me. It's not. It's all about me, right? Yamato, <laughs> I, I didn't even know. Like, that all, I, all, I, all I do is sit there in a dark room at night with my eyes closed, listening to me, the voice of Yamato, saying "Good night, Yamato." <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
be a good uh, skit. Uh, someone should come up with that skit. Like that's the actual voice of Immortal. It's the it's the inner voice. Yeah. No, I've, I've got a question for you, Dom. So to switch lanes a little bit. Obviously, the team. It's funny. Everyone seemed like they were in the same spot on this team coming into this split. Everyone agrees they should be a little bit better. This has to be their split if they're ever going to do something. But no one 100 percent is willing to commit. It is of course XL because that is just the mo of XL. They always seem like they should be a little bit better. They're not quite as good. They sort of like just make it to maybe where expectations should be, but they've never so far blown everyone away, right? The first week, at least, Dom, looks like it's actually living up to the billing. It's looking like it's actually pretty good. Obviously, like I say, they have the whole narrative following them of like they had this amazing boot camp, people say, where they were playing all the top Asian teams that are basically the best teams in the world. What do you think, Dom? Are you a believer? Does it look good? Uh... I mean, I think that they are, they're doing the best they can with the roster, but when I look at overall the solo lanes, I just can't see them actually being a team that really does damage later on. Like, if, if I looked at my power rankings before the split, I had them at sixth under Vitality. The only person I would then maybe move them up over now would be Vitality. Maybe I would just right. put them fifth instead of sixth, but I wouldn't right. put them over Mad, who I had. I still think Rogue will get it together, and then Fnatic and G2, sure. in my opinion, should be the top two. So I think that the, the thing that XL suffers from is just pure player strength like they just don't have to me the solo laners that are going to actually be able to contend for a title or will get you to worlds when it matters because essentially they they look best when they're just trying to like stonewall the enemy top laner like if or top laner or mid laner so if you see um the game that they won where they played into the the leblanc with lissandra i mean that was one where i was just like okay i mean this makes sense right was that against your team that was, that was team, fanatic right? yeah that was yeah, that was so shit <laughs> well when I saw that, I was just like, okay, but if this was like a best of five, I just don't think Fnatic would draft right. LeBlanc no, no, blind again, yes. knowing that that's what Nukeduck wants to do. Nukeduck wants to be the guy that's just like, my job is to play Lissandra into, into LeBlanc and like going even is winning. Like, I'm just going to not let you kill me, push the wave and like not interact. Like that is, that is not a, a, a win condition. That I think is that reproducible, especially when you get into like best of fives and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I mean, I just don't feel like XL has, has the firepower. I think that, Overall, like they have pretty good players. They just don't have great players. They don't have players that are going to really win you games when they when they matter. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would just I wouldn't go as high as as moving them over Matt. I thought Matt was more impressive to me. Just like seeing their overall mindset. I mean, I think they should have went three zero, right? Like the I think we could all agree that Elder throw. I mean, they were better that for 90% of the game than than Rogue, right? Like that's yeah, not yeah. one where I'm just like, oh, they're, they're both two one. You know, I don't know yeah. which one's better. I personally think Matt is, is, is going to be good. And I was high on them before the split. So that would be the only adjustment. I would say, oh, XL looks like they should probably be better than Vitality. I mean, Vitality is just going to probably be the same thing that they were in spring. So um, XL looks like they've made improvements. And maybe if they did a best of five tomorrow, I would, I would have them winning. Okay. Mm. Where are you at on this team, Yamato? Uh, I, I kind of like uh, their progression. Like they, they, they did the gangster move, which... I respect a lot. They brought in Mickey, right? Mid-split, and this is a fucking decision that was fucking good. Uh, they have they progressed throughout spring. I think they got better and better. And I think uh, them rushing over to that boot camp and, and doing the boot camp was a good decision for them because they had like a clear process of improvement for themselves. Uh, I think in those cases, it's, it's very uh, clever to go to boot camps. It's smart to just expose yourself to... to uh, a different region, especially for some of the players that are less experienced, like in in, in Marcoon, I, I can imagine that he hasn't been uh, playing against some of the Asian teams ever, and I think uh, that's a very good experience. I think they've carried that moment of, of progression, and I think, like looking at the roster, I feel like 
this is the opportunity for each player. Like they, each player in that team, besides maybe Mickey, uh, no, besides Mickey for sure, I think each player there won't get a better roster than than this time around. It's like they, they deserve each other, and then Mickey deserves more because he's he's fucking Mickey, right? It's G, fucking G two Mickey. And I think with that in mind, uh, with with Nelson Young Buck, I just I, I I admire that that progression that they've that they've made, and I respect that, and I believe. That momentum can carry them far. Uh, I, I think it's just a question of how rapidly can they improve and how much can they raise the ceiling of, of some of the players uh, on that team. Can Finn reach new highs? Can Nuktak reach new highs? Can Markun reach new highs? Uh, and, and Patrick the same way. Because uh, I have the same concern in, in, in essence that I think there's just stronger players uh, on, for example, on our team or on G2's team. Uh, but in the end, um, I think you know that that image can can be shattered if they p continue to progress and they play better and better. But we just have to wait and see. I just feel like the trajectory so far has been impressive, and I respect that. And um, for me, it's a team that I will uh, have like I will look out for them for sure. Yeah, the problem I have is I'm sort of like where you on it a little bit, Dom, in the sense that like if I just look at the roster, it's like, look, it should be a playoff team, should be a team that could be interesting to watch. The problem I have with this team is like I actually have to rely on them being more than the sum of their parts a little bit, which they can do, which is why I actually like watching this team play. Like when they do win, like when they play as a team, this team's actually not bad. They're pretty decent. The problem I have is I sort of agree with Dom. Like I have to be a bit cynical as well. Because when you, it, as much as like people think this is just like sports radio talk or whatever, like you do have to have superstar players to win. Like you just the problem is this i've always said it like this because like one of the games i've learned this from was basketball basically it's like yes obviously having the better team is what wins you the whole like best of five best of seven series but when you need in that one game where you're losing and you're just going to lose the game it's just the floor of the game when you need to win that one special game you have to just have the player who could be the best player on the server you've got to have the guy who can just take over the game the problem they have on this squad is like beyond if it was last split and they like drafted jinx or something Beyond Patrick doing it on the odd draft that makes sense, like, I don't think they have that versus, like, Yamato's Fnatic, the Rogue lineup, the G2 players, etc. That's why, actually, the sad thing about this squad, in a way, was they were the ones that were rumoured that maybe they were in the mix to do the big gamble and get Vettios, their mid laner. That would be interesting fucking angle. Yeah, like, they, were, they were in I the mean, mix, yeah. to mix for, for Niski. But, I mean, That's I think the problem is, yeah. it's essentially, it's like a small market team in basketball or something, yes. where they just don't have the resources to actually get the player. So, I mean, honestly, if they do get fifth, I mean, that's an overperformance because when you look at what Excel is spending and then when you look at what Vitality is spending and if that's the team that you're actually oh, going to outperform in this, yeah, yeah. in this moment, that's good for them. I mean, if Excel wants better results, then they have to make the decision. Are we just like, okay with, you know, scraping into playoffs for a bit or are we actually going to try to make the moves to contend for a championship? Like how yes. much do we believe in some of our other pieces? Because, I mean, I, I think they're bot lane and I think Markoon has, I mean, I think Markoon is, is pretty smart and I've liked Markoon's progression. I just think that the solo laners are going to be the issue. Um, like I said earlier, I, I I just don't really believe that. Like when I when I look at the teams that they would be competing against, and one thing I, I had uh, I wanted to ask Yamato is like, what does that mean necessarily? Where it's like you could see them, you know, you could see the progression, you could see them contending. Like, how far are you willing to go? Like, are you think that they could beat Mad Lions or Rogue? I mean, assuming that Mad Lions and Rogue are like three and four in most people's minds, do you think that they could potentially get top four with this XL roster? I think like ending top four isn't completely outside of the realm of possibility. Uh, I I think like at least like I I might be a little bit biased towards Nukta because we have history, right? And he's my homie. Like I think he's very smart about the game. I think Nukta has is is very very smart about the game. Generally speaking, uh, 
I think uh, Finn as an individual, I think, like, if I think back, like, when he was at Rogue, like, it was, it was a fucking mess. It was rough. He went over to and North America. And he went America. to CLG, and it really... Oh, wait, never mind. That was a mess. Okay, never mind. I'm, I'm trying to follow <laughs> you here. Let's continue going. Uh, and we'll, my we'll, my we'll point is, it it's like, right now in this team, like, his, his form is, is the best form I've ever seen from Finn, right? And I think whenever there's a player that is in that top form shape, it's like, where, where does it end in terms of how, how good you could potentially be? And... I just do it as as like a mental curiosity, like just a mental exercise, because of course they are my, my competitor and I'm paying attention to them. And I think that there is a world where, where they, as individuals, progress as well as they do as, as a team. If the meta aligns, you know, I like Finn playing GP, for example. He played the Gwen. I like a last split, I think he played the Graves well. You know, if if if, if the pieces align, you know, I, I think there's a world where they can do uh, do good damage. But... I, I understand the sentiment that they need to prove a lot more before someone's going to start fucking placing bets on them to to reach the top three. But just the trajectory has been rather good. You know, I think continuing that trajectory from spring ever since they got Mickey and then Nelson was into the sphere, like they just steadily improved. And I think that momentum has carried on. I don't know when that will end. I think that's the biggest question mark, right? And where you guys are uh, more skeptical. And maybe I can see a world where they, they reach new highs as individual players too. But... Um, I could see a world where they, they get top top three, maybe top four. They, they, they kick out uh, one of the other teams. It's like looking how rogue is now. Like it's it's not like completely out of the, the realm of possibility. Like Mad Lion started off good. I think there is some good question marks right now in in, in the league, which is exciting to me as uh, as as a person that likes to compete against uh, strong teams. I still think Nuke Duck is good. My problem is just that he's not like, he's not fucking capsis. He's not going to like hard carry the whole playoffs. He's just a good player. Like, I think he's fine for this team. My problem is, it's like Yamato says, if you accept that Nuke Duck's going to play at that level, then the pressure comes on the Finn, unfortunately, because if you just look at what, like, who the other players in the team are. So, my issue there is like, I don't even dislike him actually. I think he's all right as a player. I just don't think he's a strong player. I don't think he's a super duper carry player. He, can put all, he can't put all the eggs in the Finn basket every game. So, that's the one position I would like to upgrade if I could, unless I could get some super duper weird, massive upgrade for Nuke Duck. The problem I have is this though, I will say Dom, Nuke Duck right now with the way he plays and his like veterancy and all that jazz, he actually puts you in a really tough spot because if you gambled and you did get some like amazing young mechanical prodigy middle, maybe it's better, but if you don't, unless you get that, in my opinion, Nuke Duck is actually worth sticking with. So it's like, it's a really hard gamble to make. I don't think it's as easy as when people are like, this is like a good player, but he's washed now. Like, I still think he's all right. He's still pretty decent, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. yeah like, I he mean, definitely knows his own wheelhouse, you know? He doesn't try to do shit he can't do. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, when you just look at XL's trajectory as, as an organization, like, I don't think there's any chance that they do anything magical with the roster. You know, I think that they're just no, happy so. with with their results, you know, like other teams, you can see that they are trying to win. Even if Vitality consistently fails, you could tell that that organization is trying to funnel resources into like, breaking into that top tier uh, of LEC and like Mad Lions. I mean, they're willing to shell out money for Disky. You know that that can't be cheap. Fnatic G2 goes without saying that they're they're putting in money and then Rogue obviously as well. It just feels like XL is in that that like lower part category because I feel like that's kind of how you break LEC. There's five teams that are trying to spend money and win and then there's five teams that are like trying to fucking exist, do the best with what they can and then eventually fucking cash out and sell their spot. Like they're not actually dedicated to, to getting a championship and I mean, XL, like, if you think about the org, they've just been bottom feeders for their entire existence. Finally, they're in playoffs. I think they're completely fine just being a playoff team for a little bit. Being a bottom playoff team, go, go to the first round, maybe, like, you know, maybe win a series, maybe make semifinals if you're doing really well. But, 
you know, at the end of the day, just get bounced by teams that are spending literally triple or quadruple what you are. Okay. So the problem is, Yamato, they obviously don't understand your strength, which is motivation. Because what I would do if I was XL is I'd come up with like a witty tagline to the org. So I'd be like, XL, when you join our team, you've got some pretty big shoes to fill. So I did the XXL. Why did you need to start by attributing something like that to me? It's like, this is what you got What's great is I'm, what I drew you into that shite as though, like, if it's bombed, like, people think it's somehow related to you when you're. Yeah. Yeah, that's a sort of joke you'd make. Clever. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. It's because I've got a new haircut, guys. So, like that. You know, no, no, it's all just cap for real, for real, bruh, or whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm not fucking Zoomer, am I? Just play one on TV. Of the internet, right? Here's a question though. You brought up the dreaded vitality dobs. Let's just transition and talk about them. We haven't got many more, then we'll, we'll wrap the episode, right? For vitality, here's the problem. We're gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the dom switch. I'm gonna do what Dom's gonna do later in the split. So you ready? Here's how you do it, Yamato. Technically, Vitality did go two and one. You know, they they've started the split with the win record, but I'm gonna do a dom because I'm gonna go. That actually I can't even know if they're good though, because the two wins were against BDS and Misfits, who fucking suck. And then the one loss was against Mad Lions, who just look way better than them. So I noticed, by the way, Yamato, that because it was the likes of the self-maids and the perkses who were making all the those fucking comments about other people's scrims that everyone went out of their way to point out in the pre-season split interviews that Vitality is really shit in scrims. So <laughs> go on, hit me with it. Like, is this team actually going to be any good this split with the jungler change? What do you think? I don't know, man. I like I, I think they like in the way they played in spring, it was so inherently outdated. And having the inside information on how self-made is. I, I don't think you can attribute the way they played around side lane and how they like opened on the map and how they just recovered the river through mid and so forth. How how they did this, you can't just attribute that to one person. Sure, you make some okay. changes, you you you, tr you try to you know fix it, but but it's like I, I don't believe like a, a single position change is going to revolutionize all of these wrong ideas that I feel like Vitality had in spring in terms of uh, the way they played and. Um, that's just a, such a tough task in itself. Like they have good players on paper, but I, I there was like this promise throughout the entire spring that they would ramp up and do better. It's like in 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 spring they were doing really good in scrims most of the time because self-made is just a ruthless killer when it comes to scrims. It's like we had the same issue back in spring uh, two thousand like like last year in uh, yeah. two thousand twenty one. Like like we would play a scrim and then suddenly it would be twelve zero by minute 10 because he would just be very sporadic and random and he would abuse the fact that people were a little bit more liberal in scrims and he would just decimate people and just make people want to FF. And that practice isn't like the most efficient so I can see that the world where that is the case and the same thing happened to us when we were screaming Vitality. It's like Seven was just blasting us, you know, and we were just, you know, losing the games in 10 minutes and it was just, uh, I can understand how, how, how the Vitality players were talking about us in scrims because I can imagine from their point of view it was a waste of time, right? And honestly, for us too, because of how we played. Um, but all in all, I don't think uh, a jungle change is going to revolutionize like their very outdated way of playing. That's how I saw in, in spring. I think uh, there were a lot of patterns that uh, they were trying to reproduce in the game that I felt were abusable. And um, I think 
sometimes sure a fresh perspective could change that but that's a lot of pressure on uh, like on haro I, I can't imagine that that is going to be like the case like i need to see a lot more in order for me to believe that uh, they're going to be able to modernize the way they play i mean you already said dom you haven't potentially moving down the slot below xl right yeah i mean i, I just think that their roster i mean they they just look they just look like the, the same team where other teams look like they're making progressions and yeah, I mean, Vitality, they just don't... I mean, it's it's literally like they're just AFK farming and then hoping that Perks can carry the game at some point. That's pretty much it. Like, I mean, Haru looks like he's just, like, Yanko's light. You know, he's just the the dog jungler, but doesn't have the the experience or, like, the the clutch factor or just, like, the, the knowledge that somebody like Yanko's has. So, I mean, I could see... Like, I think Haru looks like he's better than somebody like Schlotten, for example, but... I mean, in a lot of the games versus the better teams, it just seems like they're just going to be slightly behind macro-wise, just farming out, maybe just flip a couple team fights and hope that they win. Um. One th yeah, one thing I actually don't get as well about this squad, I mean, I do sort of, like, here's how I'll explain it, right? I have a concept I take in Counter-Strike Yamato where I call it, like, CSGO royalty. And what it means is, basically, I it's usually actually, like, players who've won a lot in their careers, like, they were a legendary player a few years ago, and maybe, like, if you played against them as a fellow pro, like, they were amazing at the game. But it can also just be people who are known to be really skilled at the game, for example, because if people don't know, a lot of pros... They, they kind of are a bit childish. They do just judge people almost in life by how good they are at the video game and like how skilled they are, etc. So I actually got the vibe of not only the last um, Vitality Squad, but the Vitality Squad in general. Dude, I think if you took the nameplates off and had LEC pros watch Vitality games last split and this split, I reckon they would flame the fuck out of this team. But the reason I think they don't is because the actual like cachet that each of those names has in the actual like pro community is pretty high if people don't know. Like people like Perks goes out saying have enormous player respect. Alfari is like loads of players think he's mega as well. Even people who get flamed by the fans like Labrov, loads of players think he's a skilled player from solo queue and that like you know one day he's going to get the right team and obviously goes out saying Kazi's one that even though he divides analysts a lot of analysts think he's a bit whack loads of players think this guy's mega and I've heard him constantly in all the super team discussions the last two years so you might what do you think on this angle because I get the vibe like this team they are, they're almost like using that narrative of like super teams are hard like that's almost like the the, the justification they have for just being bad at league like <laughs> the problem I have with Vitality is when have they ever looked good with any of these lineups you know like I think Perks sometimes looks good purely in the context of mid lane that's it like aside from that a lot of their players just look like I say if you took the nameplates off they get a lot more flamed in my opinion like I'm sort of surprised that this team gets to coast I, I think when it comes to, to, to players, I think the attributes that they value the most, most of the time is mechanical skill and I think also like lane phase. It's like often when people talk about their peers, it's just strictly through lane phase. It's like this guy is good or bad strictly through the, the sheer force of, of lane phase. And I think there's a lot of attributes that are, are less valued and less cherished that uh, are, uh, of course... Um, less tangible it's like leadership qualities and how, what kind of a voice you are in game how good you are at bringing together uh, like groups of people how good you are at teaching someone else something about the game and making them you know be in line with the way you're thinking about the game and these these attributes that 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 i have begun to try to make the players value more and more in this in this quote because i feel like in spring we had the issue that we just were valuing everything by 
victory precision it had to be perfect otherwise it's fucking unacceptable we didn't like celebrate enough the things that we did good and we didn't celebrate like the important attributes that were there in order to 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 make the team function and i think uh, that's like a big part of it when people talk when players talk about other players this is what most of the time they they focus on just like their mechanical skill and their lane phase skill and i think this is something that for example a player like afari has always been very strong lane phase like this is always like the main focus very strong lane phase and um, then when it comes to vitality's play as a team this is where they are lacking and there are certain players that are very good at piecing together teams and making them function and there are certain players that are going to struggle more and more with that and i think with time uh, as the season progress i think it's harder and harder for one individual to make a team play a certain way like i remember 2018 vitality right Kawashard was was basically like we were having like chats on the sides like how do we make the, the team play like this I was like okay you can try this in game maybe see these words and maybe they're going to you know refocus and recenter themselves so I could like we could drive the gameplay through Kawashard some way and I think with with time that becomes more and more difficult that uh, one single person is going to be like the catalyst for how uh, everything is being played because it becomes deeper and deeper in terms of how the individual plays and I think now sure uh perks has a lot of pedigree as a player of course and has a lot of respect but right now vitality is very evident that they are struggling on that aspect of making everyone play together and how they're connecting within the game and this was very eye-opening for us because we we lost to mad lions in the finals and then Mara came in here and said yo you guys are just doing this shit and doing this shit and I was like, oh shit, this is very eye-opening. It kind of modernized how I was thinking about the game, how Hilly was thinking about the game, and also how Elias was thinking about the game, because we were the three people that got beaten by him. That's well, honestly, when you can get the guy from the other team that beat you. Yeah, score, it's, it's, it's actually it, how we did it. Like, that's pretty cool. It's pretty fucking OP, for sure. <laughs> it's like, uh, well, I was mentioning just the sure. Fnatic players, but everyone in the room got beaten yeah, by uh, Barak's yeah. Mad Lions, right? So yeah. it was eye-opening for us, and we could begin to modernize the way we play and i i think in 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 the in the sphere of vitality i think it's it's harder for me to imagine that you know who's going yeah. to to push them in that direction you know I, I wonder what humanoid said it's like okay so you should come mid on this wave and then you should also come mid on this wave you should come mid on on this wave as well oh and then when i'm in the side lane you should come to the side lane here it's like wait wait hold on like are you actually like trying to like improve our team or are you just trying to look like the best fucking player possible like what is actually going on Holy. Indeed. But uh, I mean, uh, on the vitality point, I, I just, I, I don't know. For me, the, the people I'm always going to look at are on this team are support and jungle because I feel like those are the real connectors in game. And it just doesn't seem like like LeBrov and, and I mean, LeBrov and Selfmade or even so far LeBrov and Haru actually have that ability to, you know, find things to do on the map. So it feels like the whole game is getting played through perks. You know, it's like off his item spikes. It just feels like that is probably the only one that's fucking talking, you know, Alfari is doing his own thing. You know, bot lane is kind of just slowly losing the jungler and the support don't really know what to do on the map. And then they just try to like make a fight happen when perks has a certain amount of items. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think that you just need to have more people on your team that actually know how to win LEC games in order to, to, to progress. And it just doesn't seem like they have that much like knowledge to work with. It seems like they're even the fights they take are very basic. You know, it's like, oh, the enemy team's starting Baron, we should contest it. It's it's not really like they have any depth to their um, strategy when it comes to, like, overall macro play. 
Let's talk a bit about Mad Lions. So obviously, right, this was the squad, Yamato, where I've noticed, like, it feels like everyone thought this was just like a slam dunk. Like, you put Niski in, it's probably going to improve things a little bit. It might help fix some of the problems there with support jungle, maybe. It's looking good so far. Like, yes, they haven't played the strongest competition, but obviously they did play Rogue. I, I agree with Dom. Like, they should have won that game, realistically. I don't really take that as a loss, like, yep. overall. Like, spiritually, it's a win in a way. Like, what do you think of Mad Lions overall? Because the real question with this squad isn't just, like, is it better? Because it looks better. Like, that seems like a slam dunk, as I say. The real question is, are they actually going to contend now? Are they really going to be in the mix to go to Worlds to win LEC, do you think? I think this... Uh, when I look at Mad Lions, I think... When I, when I look at some of their individual players, I think uh, of them as maybe more meta-reliant uh, than, than others. But I think if, if the meta aligns well, I think these players can be very sharp. Right? In a world where, where Armut gets to play like his, his specific champs or Niski gets to play his specific champs, I think they can be uh, very dangerous and, and like compete with uh, very strong players, like the, the strongest players in, in, in the region. I think they've, they've proven that in the past. Elioia is a very good jungler, and uh, maybe uh, Unforgiven is, is, is the unproven factor, right? But even for um, uh, Kaiser, you know, when, when the meta aligned good, he's uh, shown a very top-level performance. So I think with that in mind, depending on how the meta develops, uh, I think that is how I'm going to gauge them. I think coming into the first week, they had a very good read on things, and I think that helps in a super week. And uh, uh, for me, uh, I just want to be on, on the lookout of when the patches begin to hit and, and the, the, the pool and the understanding of, of the current meta is going to become deeper and deeper. How far can some of these players extend? I'm looking specifically at, at, at Armut and, and Niski. This is what I'm curious about. Will they be able to, to convert uh, that performance onto different metas, I think that will be the challenge. And I think if, if they manage to do that well, they can. They will definitely be a, a very dangerous team. Uh, I think so far, uh, I think they were very disjointed in Spring Split. It was, it just looked like uh, Elioia trying to 1v9 the games and uh, there wasn't really like this um, <coughs> essence of uh, trying to connect within the game and trying to play as a team. And I think Niski is, very good at uh, creating uh, that circumstance, making sure that you know he's just involved himself in in what's going on. And I think Elioya is uh, is clever enough in the game to be in the right spot. So I think Niski will naturally go towards that player and and, and do well. It kind of reminds me of uh, how like Whippo played, for example, last year. It's like Whippo was very good at understanding where he needed to be and where he needed to pressure, and he could you know uh, pull people along. And and Niski was always uh, welcoming that that, that journey. Uh, so so far, I think. I think Mad Lions has been looking very crisp. I, I am impressed. Yeah. Was I mean, there ever a world where El Yoya would have been in for like this split? Uh, no. Just, you know, just like a Twilight Zone. Imagine a world where El Yoya plays. Like, you know, was it, could it even conceivably have happened? That was the rumor, obviously. Uh, no. No? I wanted to no. keep uh, the roster the same. I don't think this was a roster problem. I think this was just uh, like a me problem and just us, us screwing up really and we need to give it time to learn from it you know I think changing roster would be kind of sad okay you know? fair enough just thought I'd check on that what do you think on yeah, my yeah. line then Dom is it enough um I mean I think it's enough to potentially go top four I don't think it's I mean maybe they can get to worlds depending on Rogue's performance but um, I just like the way that they played like they like you could tell that Niski was such a catalyst for action in that team because I mean, you just see him, like, for example, the Swain game, he just goes and he just drops a fucking deep ward. Enemy jungler shows up, he just starts fighting over the pink ward, and the whole team just starts backing him up instantly. It's like, you need players like that that are confident, and it felt like, you know, the whole the whole weekend, he's 
first to move to pretty much every single play that happens on the map. He's constantly like creating fights over small objectives. So whether it is getting a ward down or whether it is, you know, somebody that's taking a camp that, that he's stronger on a wave for, I felt like all those things were really there. So, I mean, last week I obviously had my Niski rant. I think that Niski's an insane player. It's not just because he's my friend. I actually just like the way he plays. I always have a, a soft spot for active mid laners anyway. That's like the style that I think is really interesting um, to watch. And I think that players like that will always have such value because of the way that League of Legends works at, at its core. And a lot of times you can make like there's a point in mid lane where a lot of times it becomes like a push the wave instantly in Rome roll. That's just how it works. Um and I think the meta is really suited to that type of style. I mean, Talia is obviously a champion that's coming in. We haven't seen it yet, but I'm, I'm expecting that to come in at some point. Uh, Swain is something that he played. I feel like if these are the champions that are coming in, this is what I'm seeing in LPL, should be right in Niski's wheelhouse. You know, I, I think that the the worst thing that could happen is if we got like an Azir, Corky, Victor meta where Niski can't really show his, his skill. But in terms of like game sense and just understanding the map, I think that, uh, you know, Niski's a, a great player. And I don't, I don't even think he's bad at control mages at all. I just think that that's, the part that would restrict his overall game. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think it looked pretty much how I expected it. I mean, I, I was kind of expecting a 2-1 going into the week. Like, I, like You said the strength of schedule was, was, wasn't the hardest. I mean, it wasn't the hardest, but it wasn't the easiest either. They both had, they had Vitality and um, Rogue in the same weekend. So two out of the perceived top four, I yeah, guess yeah. we'll see. True. We'll see what happens uh, when they when they play XL and, and if they're able to um, show up. I mean, I don't think it'll be perfect. Like, obviously, there's going to be growing pains whenever you add a player and they're going to have adversity here or there. But I mean, right off the bat, it looks a lot better to me this split than it did last split. Yeah, I'm with you. I look, I, I I thought, like I said, it's a slam dunk move to do. I would do that move instantly if you get Nisky. Like I said, if I'm XL, maybe I even would gamble on that. I think I would be a bit more touch and go, though. The key thing for me with this squad when they made this move was, like, this is like El Yoya's time to actually show he's really good again. Because if he'd have had a bad split again with a different mid laner, people would just start to go... You just had humanoid last year, mate. Like you're actually not some super sick jungler. Like maybe, uh, maybe he was even telling you to do some of those gags. Who the fuck knows? You know, people spin off all the theories. So I think it's it's really impressive that he's looked good right out the gate. Looks like it's all working out great. Obviously, Niski is historically known as someone who's had a great influence on his junglers. Looking great so far. The only problem I have with the Mad Lions squad overall is like I, I want to see them obviously play against the top teams in the league. It, to actually get, I, I need to actually believe that they can win if they play them in the playoffs. Though I don't, I don't yet. I think they'll be a playoff team. Obviously, can they actually beat like G two in a best of five? I'm not convinced yet. They certainly have I, they some good They don't pieces, need to, to go to Worlds, right? So like, I think that they're yeah, they're a true. fringe Worlds team. You know, like they're a third, fourth yeah. team. And I mean, they, they played the teams that I feel like give you the idea of where they match up into those teams right now. So we have to see, like, obviously over the split how they progress and how other teams yes. progress. Because obviously, I don't think Rogue is going to get much weaker from here on out. Sure. Like, I, I think that Rogue normally is is a strong team. So. Uh, maybe they're just changing things up. They're going to lose in regular season and then they'll they'll win in playoffs. All right, let's do that then. The last topic is going to be Rogue. Spoiler, if anyone's keeping track, you're going to be like, but you forgot SK Gaming. SK Gaming forgot to put any fucking interest in players into the laning positions, you fuck. I've finished watching SK Gaming. When SK Gaming beat some people that I care about or do anything meaningful, or maybe just have one of their managers come on and get clowned on the show again, like I'm cracked out that time. You could do oh, that. God. That's hilarious. But anyway, that, out of SK, <laughs> I know, exactly. This, oh, man, that was rough. That was, that rough. was like an anti audition to keep your own job, and he failed it. So, okay. we, we literally just <laughs> 
got on interface. I felt bad afterwards. We just like grilled them for like we 45 minutes straight. And, you know, like it was just, it was just fucked up. It was, it was honestly, exactly. actually, Jesus, it was, it was exactly. honestly a little fucked up on our uh, end. But I mean, exactly. if you want to come on the show, you actually have to like talk. Exactly. You know? Like it, it just, like yeah. that's what, that's what you get into when you accept the invite. It just is what yeah. it is. He thought because he worked with SK Gaming, he knew what it was like to take a forty-five minute beat in. Actually, he was wrong. There was worse <laughs> things in the world than just playing for SK Gaming. So anyway, I gotta say their shit. So we're just gonna talk about Rogue Last. Now, one of the reasons I kept them till the end is because one, like Don said with the name there, most people's take really is just like I guess the new meta is being bad in regular split to win in the player, which is like, look, that sort of works as like a one-line joke, but it's not really, it's not analysis, is it? Like, it's nothing really. It's just like a shit joke that everyone's making. But I want to talk about, because obviously we will be talking about this team, the whole split. Like, the problem is, Yamato, on paper, their roster's really good. Like, obviously, we know this was a team that maybe could have been a champion last split. Like, you even look at the players they have. This is one of the teams people might have speculated the whole meta switch might even help. Maybe it makes and even stronger what what do you think's going on here because i have a vibe like dom alluded to there i think most people expect them to be a lot better than we saw this first week like they're going to bounce back and get good again it so what do you think's wrong what what why is rogue started on such a such a shit note um like i'm only speculating right so like on on my end it seems like i i think malrang was was very important for everything they accomplished early like i think he was very sporadic and chaotic and i think like the, the laners that he have are inherently solid. And I think Trimby and Malrang really found a way of playing well together. And right now it seems like Malrang's performance is 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 just not there. And I think it's affecting the performance of of, of the whole team due to how important he was in, in spring. I, I think uh, like when I watch him play, just like legit, it, 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 it goes to the point where I just watch him, like how he's moving his character and it just seems so off. Like he's like clicking and like standing still, and it's like <laughs> it's like it's as if he just really took a long break from the game and is coming back or something. That that's, that's just like my impression. And like props to him for putting that responsibility on himself because I think he was a very big reason as to why Rogue was so uh, effective in oh. spring. And I think his underperformance is really weighing heavy on them. And I think uh, without him uh, being as as precise as before, I think uh, some of the the weaknesses of the other players are beginning to show again. I think they are like, rather timid, and they are they are solid, and they are going to base and they're going to do uh, you know what they're supposed to do in lane. But creating that element of chaos, to try to find advantages and and try to explode the game and try to you know push for something more. This is not the box that I put uh, uh, these group of players in. And I think also. Uh, when I look at a, I, I think spring, the, the the AD carry meta in spring really had a way of making a lot of AD carries look a lot better than they are. And I think this summer will definitely be like a truer test to, to what Comp is capable of because uh, I wasn't so sold on him as a player when I looked at him in, in spring. I think Trimby and him had a very strong lane phase in spring. But beyond that, I think a lot of things were covered by the fact that uh, you know Trimby has a very big champion pool and that the AD carry meta made you look very flashy and good. And another thing that uh, I also speculated on when I looked at Rogue in spring, I think they were very good at latching on to the things that were working in other regions and then just playing and spamming that. And I think that's very good 
for regular season games when you become like the master of of one thing and you just commit to it and you just make sure that you play this one thing over and over again and you you take inspiration from from the asian uh like regions but now it's like 12.11 lag behind and then they played on 12.10 and then we came into this weekend and then we got to play against the vi and we dropped the morgana on five and so forth and they were just looking in orn one two and it just seemed very uninspired uh, uh, in in the preparation and i always felt that way when they were heading into weeks where we were playing on newer patches and the Asian regions were playing still on the previous patch. I remember the same thing. This is strictly speculation because I don't know what's yeah, going yeah, on in the camp. Uh, just I remember when they began to, began to lose games in spring was when a new patch hit and then they went 0-2 on the weekend because there was no other region that had played on that patch. We were first to play on that patch. And I thought that was just interesting. And uh, like for me, I could see like some kind of a pattern in there, you know? Basically, so, Roblox is the kid who has to copy the smart kid's homework. And then if, the smart, if they can look over the smart kid's shoulder, then they can win. But the problem is the smart kid hasn't written the homework yet. So shout out, kind of, right? Kind of. But I think the biggest thing was just what I mentioned before. I think just Malang is underperforming. And sure. it, it's, it's rough to put that only on him, right? Yeah, but yeah. It's, just, it's just the team that they've created. I think Malang was very important for them in spring. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell if it's him underperforming personally or if it's just people understanding how Malrong plays. You know, I feel like he's the type of player that eventually like the novelty factor wears off and a lot of players just yes. know what to expect when they get into a game with him. And I feel like this is the main reason why when you talk to any jungler you want in LEC, none of them really respected Malrong like the same way that, that when Elioia was smurfing yes. or when Yankos yes. was smurfing, they respect those guys. Everyone That's was fair, just yeah. like, oh, you know, he's like a flipper, you know, he's doing whatever. But like the way he's jungling is not good. Like the the, the actual pathing is not good. Yes. It's just that people are like not laning properly and allowing his pathing to be, you know, insane. You know, like it's like he's He's ganking some mid laner, I forget which mid laner was, but he's just, you know, trundle into TF and he's just somehow autoing him out of the bush in playoffs. And I mean, I guess that like maybe you can reverse sweep based <laughs> off something like that. But at the end of the day, is that is that a good like I mean, you just do four camps and then you come mid, like, is that really a good gank? Is that is that a good gank or is the enemy mid laner just running it down completely? Who knows? That's left left to be seen. So I guess we have to see. Uh, you know, in the upcoming weeks, whether this is going to be a temp temporary Malrong thing and he'll get back into that aggressive god mode, or if he's, you know, kind of uh, lost the edge that he had on the competition in, in spring. I will say, every time fans do that thing where someone plays like a super interesting gimmicky style, I even think a few years back of like, is it going back a bar now, when the Gigabyte Marines came to Worlds and were like shocking everyone at like MSI and Worlds, all those like crazy comps and like doing crazy stuff like a lane swap and no matter where lane swaps don't exist and doing fucking like jungle picks that made no sense, right? The problem with that is every fan starts thinking they're watching a movie, they think they're watching like the Mighty Ducks or something and they start going like, wow, <laughs> imagine this, they could really win everything and it's like, Guys, like, have you not, are you not in re reality? Like, that works because it's gimmicky. It works for a while, but, like, it doesn't work forever. Like, spoiler, even people who are great players who have, like, very, like, gimmicky styles, like, they have to expand their game and, like, become well-rounded eventually. They can't just do that one thing and keep going forever in their career. Otherwise, they'll just end up, like, fucking, like, the only that meta will suit them. The only that team style will suit them. So I have to say the problem is, like, when you have when you play like Malrang did last split, I do this yeah right Yamato Cannon. It's like the logic in basketball of if someone takes bad shots against you, but they make the bad shots. 
Well, they are bad shots. You have to just sort of go, well, I can't stop him doing it. I want him to take bad shots. So if you make them, you just tip your hat and go, well done. That's all I can do. I'd like you to take the same shots again. And that's the point I'd make about Marang here. Is like some of the ganks he was getting away with, I thought were criminal last split. Like he was like a fucking yeah. terrorist. Because the problem is, if he didn't pull some of those ganks off, his team would be in such fucking bad spots. And like comps that were drafted to win early would be behind us. Oh, there's so many ways it could have fucked up. Like he really did like walk the trip, the fucking tightrope a lot of times times and just not fall like if he can do it again if he can do it for a whole other split i'll just say god bless you you, you are you haven't reinvented jungling you're obviously a genius by the way he's even coming from another region speaking another language so he is just a genius at league if he can do it again the problem is i do get the vibe of like things that remember no matter what flame we gave to coaches earlier they are smart people they are people who can solve problems if you give them enough time they're going to figure out how to play against people who have these styles by the way spoiler notice how they also are all way better against Vethio now suddenly he doesn't just 1v9 every fucking game does he even when he gets his champions like you give these people long enough they will figure you out you have to have more to your game than whatever first got you to the dance you know I remember there was this one game we played against Rogue and our plan was like to we we played like diana and we wanted to uh, create a circumstance where we would just fucking power farm with diana we would just make sure to invade and take away his camps but it was like early in the season so we were just well honestly we were dying to every gang later too but we were dying to every gang and then we had like this argument it's like sure we have 80 cs diana but this 30 cs viego viego is 303 and he's fucking us and it was just a like an argument of uh, is what Marang is doing good or is it bad? And there were two sides. Uh, oh, just... look, I, I already know what the sides are. The jungler will always say it's bad. The jungler is never the guy that's like, no, what he's doing is actually a really intelligent path. Like, <laughs> the jungler's always, but like, if you just don't die here, I get three fucking camps and then I'll be level five to level three. I go invade his raptors. He can't do anything. The game is over. If you just avoid this gank, the game is lost for him. <laughs> like, I, I know that shit. I've been arguing that this, this is how you know the game hasn't, hasn't changed that much because from the dawn of time this has been what the yes. main arguments have been about league of legends but exactly. uh, marek was a defender of, of the farming so i just wanted to throw that out there <laughs> yeah yeah i mean, it, I mean it, it, it he does forget enemy jungle exists so oh it's, it's always the person it's always the person that's, getting, exactly. that's how you know that bot lane was getting fucked all right so yes. upset upset and hilly were inting tomorrow and then and then humanoid had back. all right perfect yeah, we you didn't have to tell us that we just deduced it all we figured your whole game out you might have just just to give like just uh, some credit to Maorang. I, he became really fucking awkward to play against sure. like if you if you didn't see him you just had to assume he was everywhere and the the spawning of camps or I was like he should be both sides his camps are up that was just never true and that made yeah, it right. like very strange to play against like he was very awkward and uh like I feel like that element is lost I agree with the notion that people have uh, are, are like more understanding of what, who Malrang is but like at the same time I think his performance is really like down low like it's really beyond comprehension for me you know yep I mean, like I say, come on, like, like the rogue the rogue roster is just too good to be bad for too long. Like they'll get it together. They'll be a quality sign soon enough. I will also say on the line, like you implied, no, she Yamato's also doing that smart thing. That's how you know he's actually leveled up as a coach, Tom. He never like flames players by name. He just like sort of like implies that they're the player that so he didn't just like say comp is maybe a bit overrated, in my opinion. He just goes like in the ADC picks, you know, because ADC's last split, they could look a bit better than they were. And essentially, like, you know, I'm not sure if they actually with this one, if they're picking 
like it's like so essentially just cops a bit overrated because I actually sort of walking I sort of get it because last split all he did essentially was spam fucking Alfredos every single time it was ever available in any comp mm. ever and as you said Dom because like fucking Trimby had like the massive champion they could just play like a billion p- different supports with fucking Alfredos that's all they did basically the problem yeah. is one the fucking Alfredos they drafted in this game should be a war crime like look at the fucking comp it's playing against like what yeah he's gonna have a fun game with that one right there and then as you say the Ezreal game that was just a bullshit game anyway there's not really any reason you should have won yeah. that one like that was just a freebie from yeah, fucking the, Mad the, Lions the Philios game the Philios game was the one into the Yone Yasuo Diana yeah, yeah exactly yeah, enjoy where, that game enjoy that bit <laughs> I mean I mean like okay so the Philios was picked early but then I felt like they might have been able to save it with a certain pick and then they just went Renata and I was like Mm-mm, this is gonna be this is gonna be rough you need such like a perfect Renata ult to even be able to play this and I mean, essentially what it is is if Diana ever has flash, the game's fucking over. So, yeah, it's it's, it's tough for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about comp, the situation right now is that what it seems like is that there's a lot more viable AD carries. And at least from, from watching, um, you know, other regions, it, it appears that the meta isn't really like you just take Jinx and Aphelios like it was and then you just plug everything around it where it's like you have the same ADs and then you know, the supports are all interchangeable. It's all about like these bot lane combos. So you have like Callista Renata and then you have like Karma Ezreal and then you have uh, like you have Zyra Khan that still pops up every now and then. You have Jinx Tom Kench. You have Thresh Aphilios. It feels like there's a lot of com- like combos in bot lane and there's a lot of like counters to each other. Lucian Nami obviously is the main one um, that I left out. But there's a lot of these little combos, but there's not um, it, like it requires a huge champion pool to actually play. So We'll have to see if comp actually is kind of like just a jinx player and they just end up having to default into a lot of those or if they can play the stylistic counters. If enemy team drafts Lucian Nami, I mean, in, in other regions, we see Callista Renata as, as a counter or Karma Ezreal sometimes as a counter. Like, are those actually uh, possible? Cog Lulu. I mean, there's just a million different specific bot lane combos right now that seem to like all have like a rock, paper, scissors type effect. Um, yeah, like down the road. So I think that's the... The thing that we need to see from Comp is can he actually expand his champion pool to incorporate all that into his game? Sure. Anyway, though, I will say the coaching staff of Rogue has done a banging job the last four splits or something in a row, like with all the different players they've had. So I expect they'll get together. Now, obviously, that was going to be the end of the show. This was the voice of Yamato Cannon. You were a viewer of the Best Damn League show. He won't be here next week, will you? Ooh.